and welcome to Fight with Mike, round three. Get ready for another action-packed episode. I'm Mike. And I'm Andy. And we're here to talk about nerdy shit. Indeed. Uh, yep. So, All right. So, I think you had something that you wanted to start out today's episode with. Uh, yeah. I did. So, yes. well, firstly, I just we're two episodes in. Indeed. And already the biggest show on Apple Podcasts. It's pretty crazy. Right. Well, yeah, we literally had uh, we have tens of listeners, which is tens actually better listeners. than I thought. It's, it's crazy. <laughs> so, it's tens, tens yeah. of people. We right. might even have a couple followers at this point. It's crazy. Yeah. I mean, well, so Maybe I did like a couple of things. So I, I created a Facebook page for us and I basically spammed everybody in Facebook that I am friends with and even people I'm just know and I'm not friends with. And you know, there's we got some followers and stuff, so I'm going to try to keep promoting the show on there and all that. But keep um, going. but oh, uh, for any listeners that we may have, uh, we also have an Instagram page. It is fight underscore with underscore Mike underscore official. So follow that. You'll see the Batman and Robin thumbnail. Yep. If you go to our uh, homepage, also you can find links to our Instagram and the other various fine platforms that we're on. Indeed. Yeah. Use that anchor link, gang. Exactly. I mean, I guess if you're here, you don't really need a link to the show anymore. <laughs> you know. But if you're wondering, like, hey, where do I find the Instagram link? That's where you can go. There you go. Um, but yeah, we're, we're right. pretty much everywhere. And we, we got two episodes in. I had a lot of fun on both. I have um, as well. They've been, they've been good experiences so far. No complaints. Yeah. 10 out I of 10. You, best show ever. Nine more I do seasons. feel like... I do feel like the second episode, you, you definitely kind of steamrolled me. Like I, you you hated that movie so much, you just couldn't wait to just. Like... Yes. <laughs> well, the problem is my hatred of Suicide Squad runs so deep that I literally am physically incapable of holding myself back from destroying it. <laughs> well, I think you keep close to destroying me. So whenever it's brought up in conversation, I just have a visceral impulse to destroy its origin. That's fair. That's fair. Um. And so, yeah, I mean, I might, I might do that again. (laughs) What's that? I might do that again today because I also really despise another of the movies we're talking about today. Well, (laughs) we'll I I think it's going to be a lively debate, but, um, uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, uh, we had mostly, you know, it's friends and family. My sister also kind of got some people that I, I don't know to listen to who said they really liked it. And, um, in general, people have been pretty positive. I mean, Oh yeah. Uh, we did. We did have a a little feedback about, um, you know, questions about what it's about, for example. And I say, you know, <laughs> I what say do you think that it's about? If you're asking what a podcast is about, I don't know. You're probably not the market for that podcast. Like, you're probably not the target audience. Well, I, hate I mean, to I, say it. I don't want to. I, I mean, I look, anybody's our target audience. But like, I, I, I guess the point. If I had to sum up our the point of the show. It's just that we like talking about nerdy things and we like to debate about nerdy things because that's every nerd's favorite thing to do. So, yeah. That is pretty much what it's about. And I I don't want to kind of dismiss it, but we did kind of say in the beginning, it's kind of really whatever we feel like talking about. And and maybe that's a a little too nebulous for folks and, you know, they need a little bit, something a little more structured. But, you know, for me, I kind of like our rambling discussions and you know see where it takes us and that's how we make each other laugh and, and hopefully yeah. make other people laugh and you know hopefully they can enjoy it but uh i mean but generally it's we're, we're not really that structured if you know who knows 
you know, five episodes from now, what we what we'll be talking about. I mean, it, it's going to hmm. be this kind of shit, but at the same time, you know, I we're not really kind of limiting ourselves in terms of of what you know what we want to talk about, other than usually just pop culture stuff, right? Yeah, I mean, I guess if I had to sum up like what the the main like drive of the show is that. It's kind of like a movie reviewing podcast, obviously a very uh, armchair movie review podcast, but like, I guess that's how I could sum it up. Not that we'll only talk about movies, but it's probably going to be our biggest focal point for the most part. Yeah, I think movies and TV, but probably mostly movies, really. Yeah, it's a lot easier to encapsulate (laughs) movies into episodes than it is to encapsulate like a TV show because they're just so long running. Well, I guess if I had one theme for us and one kind of consistent, you know, through line to the episodes is that, and it's not to be kind of, you know, um, I don't know what the word I'm looking for, but to be cheesy about it, but it is very much a lot of the, the nature of our quote unquote disagreements lies in what I feel like in retrospect, looking back, like I've listened to the episodes, which which for me is a feat because normally I hate here listening to myself talk and, and I've actually enjoyed them. Um, but for me, it is actually the kind of that friction of like, you know, you're 30 years younger than me. You have a different take. You don't have yes. the life experiences I have. I don't have the life experiences you have. And so that's, you know, the, the generational divide is very much in our, our different view of these things is very mm-hmm. much, I think, a through line of all the episodes. And, and I think that is fundamentally is going to be what ties it all together and and i hope that people just enjoy the discussion and that they they get a little they get a little enjoy our sense of humor and because if you don't you, you, i mean we're probably not going to grow beyond like 10 people so you know yeah uh but that's okay because yeah. i enjoy doing it and it's fun and and um i actually feel like i told mom this that i feel like doing this even though i feel like i'm steamrolling you right now um makes me listen better so i i have to mm. you know normally when we talk about this stuff we just like roll all over each other and not you know verbally <laughs> not like really cut each other off and stuff like that but i think when we do this we tend to kind of put an idea out there and then listen and then respond so what do you think yeah i mean i i definitely have i'm pretty much in agreement on that i mean <clears throat> outside of even just generational divide it's also that it, like something that I've noticed in general, uh, and I'm, I know you've noticed as well, is that we just have different ways of thinking about the art and popular culture we consume. Um, and I think that's also an, an interesting way to look at things, you know? Yeah, I mean, like, you know, for instance, mine is good and yours sucks. So I, I feel that that's, you need that kind of sucky perspective to let people oh. know. Yeah, yeah. see... <laughs> See, there's one thing, there's one thing you had wrong about that, and it's actually that uh, my Zoomer mind moves ten times faster than the boomer, the boomer smooth brain. So uh, I'm not it's a boomer, actually man. I'm Gen X. You're by, Gen X, by like two years. Boomer, same thing to <laughs> right. to the Zoomer, to the Zoomer. Everyone over forty is is a boomer. So you know what, Boomer Mike, Boomer Mike. You've got like a mind like a ninja. You're just. You're just, yeah. Uh, yeah. Look, you play checkers, I play 4D chess. That's just how it goes. Yep, I think that's your staple line. Old so. man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
right. the, the, the other so, feedback that I kind of heard from a few people was, was the length. And, and honestly, like, you know, for me, part of the, the point of a podcast is that it's free form and mm-hmm. it's pretty much as long as we want it to be and let the discussion take us where we want to go. And, and I, I, I think that that is the strength of it. And I, I yeah, don't I mean, think we're too long. I think I think like an hour and a half is that's maybe a little longer a than podcasts. most. Most tend to be about an hour, um, but it's also really? not you know hardcore history. You know, no, I actually I think hour and a half is pretty. Dude, average. I don't hour know, to I hour don't know what podcasts. I don't know what podcasts you listen to because like most of the stuff that I listen to pushes like two hours or more. Well, in most episodes. Yeah, I, I would say that there's a fair amount that is you know. Especially if you listen to something that's structured like NPR or something like that, where it's, where it's radio based, it tends to have, you know, a solid forty to hour long, forty minute to hour long structure. Whereas forty hour long structure. No, not forty hour. Yeah, <laughs> kind of ran on. But if you listen to some things that I like to listen to, like some of the ones that you know, like Mission Log that I like to listen to, that that can go anywhere from forty five minutes to an hour and a half. And I think yeah, but I mean, they're prob- just talking about like an individual episode of Star Trek each episode, right? It's like. And those are only an hour themselves. So it's not like, like in this, we're discussing three movies and doing outside stuff, you know? So it's going to depend on what the subject matter, how long the episodes are going to be. And it's also just going to depend kind of what we have to say about the specific subject matter. It's going to depend on my stamina and like the time of day and whether or not mom needs the bedroom to go to sleep. (laughs) (laughs) So it's like, yeah. Yeah. That's why, that's why we're recording it at like eight and not like midnight, midnight. Well, because my boomer mind can't handle like by midnight, I'm I'm. Yeah, you're locked. passed out on the couch by then already. So usually, yeah, that's my exciting life. Don't give don't give all, away all my uh, exciting life, but but um, but yeah, I would say that's pretty true. I think that you know, I think at about an hour and a half most of the time, but it, it's generally about where it's going to take us and how we feel about talking about it. And like I yeah. said, the the freedom of this of this format is that we just take it where it goes and if people want to listen great and if they don't you know i i'm sorry i'd I'd love to keep you along but i mean and the other thing too is like i've talked with my sister and she's like well i don't really like the nerdy stuff but i love listening to you guys talk in the beginning so lisa this is for you yeah (laughs) there you go we added a whole we added a whole segment (laughs) right so uh yeah all right so hopefully yeah so that's the feedback part um and uh, you had, you said you wanted to do a new segment this time around. Why, why don't you yeah. introduce it? So I have a new segment that I'm going to just call Geek Talk uh, Patent Pending. Um, and so <laughs> the patent pending is part of the name, by the way. Um, and, so, <laughs> and so essentially what this new segment is, is we are going to talk kind of about some of the the nerdy stuff we've been doing um, and and consuming lately. So kind of um, exploring our current uh, taste outside of what we're doing uh, for the episodes. Because some of the stuff we're going to talk about on the episodes is cringe, and it's going to be a lot of us talking about stuff that we hate. So I feel like talking about some stuff that that we like in the beginning to balance it out is probably a good idea. Yeah, no, I'll <laughs> you know, go for it. So get I, that I think it's a good balance. idea, and I'd had a, I'd had similar thoughts about just kind of generally talking about what's going on, you know, and, and things we've heard about. So yeah, go for it. What uh, what do you want to talk about first? Right. 
so I got a couple things that I've been doing lately that are new. Um, so one thing that has been absorbing a massive amount of my free time lately has been uh, I've been playing Persona 5, which is a JRPG. Um, and the way that I describe it, which will probably not make sense to anybody listening to this, is it's like uh, Inception mixed with JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. Um, so basically, it's like if Inception was an anime. Um, and it's it's just a lot of fun. I love the, the music in it, particularly. It's just, the music is really amazing. Um, and it's got just really cool stylization and great character writing, so it's a fun time, and I've been enjoying that a lot. Um, I have like 50 hours in it right now. <laughs> um, 50 hours? It's it's the game the game itself an average playthrough is like a hundred hours. That's so, insane. Yeah, it's it's th- there's a whole aspect of it where it's like part dungeon crawl and part uh, social simulator, right? So you basically have you're basically playing through an entire year of balancing a double life between being a high school student and being a um a, a like you basically like are thieves that infiltrate people's minds and, and steal their desire to commit crimes and make them confess their, uh, their crimes. So you're kind of, it's kind of like a full on like vigilante simulator, which is pretty cool. Um, cause there's sections where you're like, Oh, you have to cover up what you're doing. You have to like, Oh, live a normal student life right now. And then there's other times where it's like, we got to push, we got to go through this. Um, and make it through this person's, uh, you know, mind to get to their, their treasure. So it's a really interesting, um, concept in, in general. And it's a really, uh, fun sort of exploration of the superhero genre. Um, it's a lot different to be playing a secret identity than to be, um, like, like a game, a superhero game where you have to like, actively protect your secret identity um it's it's interesting but then there's one other thing that i've been doing lately which is i got the dc universe app lately and i've been getting into comics actually which i have not been in the past um so i've been reading a lot of new 52 stuff um i've been reading flash uh batman beyond and i just started red hood and the outlaws um and it's pretty great. I'm enjoying it quite a bit right now. Um, that's kind of what I've got. So, sorry, I monologued for like 20 minutes. <laughs> uh, no, that's fine. I mean, that's that's what it's about. Um, but listening to you talk, it it made me just wonder what it would be like to have all that time. <laughs> just, yeah, like, well, yeah, I, I spent I spent 20 hours on this game, and then I've been reading all these comics. No, 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 Oh, 50. Yeah, sorry. It's, um, well, the thing I'm the thing I'm loving about comics right now is that I just read them on my breaks at work. Like, and it, and it's enough time to get through stuff. Like, well, that's the great thing now is that because it's digital, you can you have it everywhere you want. Yeah, it's literally uh, just on my phone. Like, right. Yeah. So for me, um, you know, I, there's really not a whole lot of new stuff. I'm kind of waiting for the boys to come out. That's the big thing I'm looking forward to. The when does boys that drop? season two. I think it's coming out in like a month or two. Nice. Um, but generally speaking, I mean, I I mainly like to 
listen to some podcasts. Now, the main staples in podcasts that I actually kind of fall off a little bit on it was Mission Log. And if you want to talk about like nerdy shit, like that's about as nerdy as it gets. That's kind of like my training for this Star podcast Trek. because because uh, that one is where they they the the mission quote unquote is to go through every episode of Star Trek one by one and they dissect it and they talk about it. I mean every every series, every movie in <laughs> in order of release, you know. And they've been doing it for years, and they've even, you know, had to trade up hosts once or twice, or just one host. Um, so that's kind of, it did kind of get me in the mindset for podcasts, which is like, I actually would watch the episode, um, you know, not necessarily too seriously. Not like I do with Fight with Mike, because that's, that's hard work. Um, exactly. But, uh, you know, I'd watch the episode, and I like to listen to them talk about it usually. I mean... One of these days, we'll have an episode about my my irritations with Star Trek fandom and how they kind of <laughs> go overboard. We, we've talked about it. Our, hey, know, we're, we're being mic. an irritation to the Star Trek fandom right now. We like no, Star Wars. No, no, I mean, it, yeah, right, right. We'll, we'll get into that. Star Wars is science fantasy, not science fiction. Jesus, <laughs> stop it. I mean, oh, my God. I can't believe you're talking about it. Uh, I'm not saying that's not accurate, but <laughs> well, no, I mean it, it's different. We've you know. had those discussions, but but also uh, my real lark, because honestly, the news is too depressing. The one thing I really like to just kind of put on and I can listen to it is I love listening to Fat Man Beyond with Mark Bernard and and Kevin Smith. And actually, that's where I get a lot of my nerd news anyway. So sometimes I'm just regurgitating shit that I've heard from them, but but they just uh, you know they're guys about my age they have similar sensibilities on this stuff and and um, they also but they unlike us they actually you know have um, they are Followings. artists and they they well I mean a following but uh, they, they uh, have a following because okay. they have well okay, you're an artist but you're an, an artist. you're an artist but they are an they are established artists <laughs> yes. so, and that, they, that one I'll give you right so like you know Mark is a writer and you know, Kevin Bruno's, most people know who Kevin Smith is, you know, as a director and, and writer and of comics and movies and stuff. So, so I like their take on things, but, but mainly like video wise, television wise, the one show actually I've been watching, even though I finished them all already and waiting for season three is, uh, what we do in the shadows, which is, oh, yeah. uh, it's a series based on Taika Waititi's movie from a few years ago of the same name. And it's basically a mockumentary of, where the characters are vampires. Yeah, it's like The Office, but with vampires. With vampires. Office workers. Yeah, <laughs> and it's just fantastic. And it's got the guy um, from Toast of London, which is... Toast of London is on Netflix, and it's a BBC uh, comedy. They haven't had a season for a few years, but I, I heard Matt Berry's going to... They're already working on, a, they're working on another one, a fourth uh, season. But uh, it's just... It's bizarre... And at times, I'm not sure why I'm watching it, but it's one of those things where it's just so absurd and and off the wall that I'm just like, I'm just pulled in. I'm sucked in because <laughs> the guy's that good. And and Matt Berry, who, who is the star of that show and writes it, is uh, one of the vampires in What We Do in the Shadows. And so, uh, yeah, that's that's kind of where I'm at. I'm but I'm also like I'm I'm very busy with work, which I don't want to bring into the podcast too much. But that's why I'm having a hard time with you know nerding out on too much stuff um so when i watch stuff these days you know a lot of it is in prep for these shows which is you know becoming my my passion now doing a little bit of research right taking some notes and uh yeah getting ready to talk about it 
with that, um, I think we should probably segue into what we're talking about today. Which is... I should. I do have a surprise for you, though, Andy, but we'll have oh, to keep Oh, my quick. God, I forgot. I forgot yeah. about the surprise. What's I didn't want to say it because we share the notes that I, that we do for the show, and I, I just put Mike's surprise for Andy. I heard in the news there's been rumors that there's a new director's cut somewhere of a movie that you just love. Oh, Suicide Squad. (laughs) The Iron Cut. (laughs) Right. And he, no, he said. Oh, I thought you were going to say the Snyder Cut of BBS. And I was like, I was like, I know that's coming. No, no, I know everybody knows about the Snyder Cut, but not many people know about the Iron Cut. David Iyer, I guess oh, he was a director, God. and he, no. <laughs> he, no. Said, oh, there, he said there was so much cut material, and he said you didn't even see Jared Leto's Joker performance because so much was cut. They can't do this to me. <laughs> and honestly, I got to cut us oh, off Oh, they did because... me so dirty. <laughs> no. You did I, did you I lose can't, you for the whole show? They can't make more money off this. They cannot be allowed to make more money off this. Yeah. Oh. oh, yeah. I could. Con- I, I don't know if it's going to definitely happen, but I, I feel like with um, you know, the Snyder Cut coming out on HBO Max next year, that that's going to you know, other... too. Honestly, my feeling is, and again, I'm going to keep it, it short. It'll be better than the original Justice League, but it's still going to suck. <laughs> well, my 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 initial take on this kind of stuff is, you know, more is better, but not not that it's actually going to be good. But I want to see those different things. I want to see like you know may possibly see what the different take is not a suicide squad necessarily but of uh i've seen no, that fucking no. movie enough i but can't maybe watch any version of that again no i mean three times like i said last in that episode like three times <laughs> it's three enough. times too many it's, well two <laughs> times too many you gotta do it once to find out how bad it is and then skip it truth truth but um but anyway moving on from that so what are we talking we about are today? about to andrew uh embark on an epic journey Indeed. Uh, much like the, journey, the uh, journeys in the films themselves, we are on an odyssey. This is going to be our first multi-episode arc. And would you like me to do... Arc. What's that? This is our series arc. It's season our series arc. arc. I don't right. know. Season arc. It's going to be a lot of growth over the next few episodes. But mainly, the, the goal of this was we kind of had an idea of, you know, we're going to go big. We're not going to go small on this i mean we're going to tackle we're tackling, a, we're tackling a white whale right now right, right. we went i don't we're know going white whale's a more appropriate analogy for suicide squad i guess this is more like a uh it, it's just a big undertaking you know right so this is we're, we're, uh the goal of the next few episodes is, is we're going to compare and contrast uh the three star wars trilogies and the goal of this being uh, that we want to kind of get a feel. Well, the genesis of it was was I said to you that I felt I thought the prequels were better than the sequels. And I said there is literally no way that's the case. You are insane. And I said, "Fuck you, fight is on." I and then I said, <laughs> "I said it's been way too long since you've watched Phantom Menace. We need to remind you how bad." That is. <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> so. But, um, I, like, look me. Well, you're not. We're not on video. But look me in the eye and tell me that I that I was wrong about that. Like, well, I'm not going to do that now. Because <laughs> we can't get into it yet. We but, can't get into it yet. But oh, basically, man. the the goal of this is is that we want to look at the three. I mean, you, it's basically the probably the biggest science fiction phenomenon in the world next to Star Trek. Science fantasy. Right. So exactly. Well said, nerd boy. So. <laughs> um 
so and it also was very much you know formative for me i was 10 years old when a new hope came out of course it wasn't called a new hope then it was just called star wars and so that's i was two when i saw uh my first star wars courtesy of me just you know basically yeah i think i could pretty much credit my nerd nerdness today to star wars basically i totally fucked you over almost (laughs) almost i think i think it's pretty much a hundred percent due to that actually i still remember to this day the first thing i showed you because you were two years old and we couldn't show you too much is yoda i showed you yoda's lightsaber fight with Count Dooku in episode two. Oh boy, just wait and till I get into that today. you lost your fucking fool mind over that. It was so fun to watch you do that. Yeah. And then, and I think back on that moment, I'm like, oh my god. Uh, well, yeah, he was done hey, at that point. Hey, I was I was the target audience for Attack of the Clones at that time. Two year olds. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect <laughs> audience for Attack of the Clones. Um, no comment. We're gonna save Not that yet. for the fight. That's, oh my god, that's for that's for two weeks from now. But so, anyway. Right. So, um, so, right. So the approach for this is going to be, you know, to kind of keep it uh, kind of a fair fight, so to speak, is we're going to look at the, the relative installment for each trilogy and compare them. So, for instance, it's, so it's going to take us about four episodes. It's going to take us a couple months. And this each and one this, will probably be pretty long. So each one's going to be pretty long. So if you don't like long episodes, I'm sorry, but, you know, but anyway, um, so the each episode will take a look at say like this episode is going to be the first installment of each trilogy right like indeed uh, how how they how they handle themselves how they kick off the story and just overall quality and how they compare and achieving their objective and and um uh and kind of uh just kind of rank and at the end we're just going to rank them like which we feel is the most effective and which one yeah. was the least effective and and enjoyable Spoiler um, alert! There's a pretty no. clear winner. <laughs> yeah, I think in this one it's gonna. There's not gonna be a lot of. Uh, this is gonna be a real nail controversy, guys. <laughs> right? Uh, hang into the end. Who knows how it's gonna end, right? No, number three is gonna be the real nail biter out of all of them, I think. But I think so. So yeah. So this episode is the first episode of each trilogy. Then we'll do the second installment of each trilogy. Then the third and final ones of each trilogy. And then we're going to have kind of a wrap-up episode, which we'll, we'll talk about kind of yeah. overall our feelings about each trilogy and which one we think was better. We're just going to kind of rank them. And I'm going to try to pull in uh, your sister for this one, because she and I had a pretty long discussion about about things, uh, Star Wars, on the which, drive down wait, to school to get her stuff. For which one? Just the, the overview episode at the end? Specifically? Uh, the overview at the end, yeah. Because... Okay. Um, Gosh, she'll, she'll be back at school by then, yeah. Right, I'll be back and by there's now. other folks, too, that have mentioned that they would like to be on, so... Uh, oh, I've had a few requests. I've had a few ideas and requests that are, yeah, well, that are very interesting. Yeah, well, we should so. chat offline about that and build our queue, man. Indeed. So, uh, so let's, anyway... Uh, but let's get talking about the thing that we came here to do at the 30-minute mark. <laughs> I know, I feel like um, we should start with a long scrawl over the intro music to Star Wars. So. No, don't really do it. Don't, don't, no, don't. Don't really do it. <laughs> I said I felt like we should, but... All right, he's going to do it. Okay, sorry. No, I'm, I'm right. done. So, at your request... Total War! We're going Mike to... and Andy fight over Star Wars trilogies. This just in. Mike no. and Andy disagree. 
Um, so okay. what we're planning on doing, initially it was going to be order of release, but you want to do Phantom Menace, Force Awakens, and then A New Hope. Is that right? I Yeah, because look, folks, going into this, we all know there's no contest. We know what we know what's going to be said about a new hope. We want to you save don't... the happy part for the end so Look. that the fight the fight happens and then we recover by being like, you know, but all in all, this is what's amazing. Yeah. Ah. Oh, wow, when you put it like that, that just sounds so sweet. I don't think I want to fight anymore, Andy. Show's over. You'll no. want to fight in like 10 minutes. So, let's No, go. I'm definitely going <laughs> to want to fight. So, all right. So, we're going to start with Phantom Menace. Is that it? Uh, yes, let's start with Phantom Menace. Actually, I do have some comments when we get to it, some some things I don't like about A New Hope, but it's not what oh, you think. Oh, yeah, I mean, it's not it's not perfect, but, like, right. yeah, it's better than these. No, you'll, <laughs> you'll agree with me. So, all right. Let's go. So we're going to kick it off, right? The Phantom Menace was released in 1999, and it was 16 years after the, the Return of the Jedi, which was the, previous, the end of the previous, the first trilogy. And there was a lot of pent up, you know, like um, desire for this. A lot of a lot of hopes attached to this one. Like a lot of people were super excited, myself included, because like Suicide Squad, the trailers were fucking slick. I mean, like like crazy slick. Like they. I've never seen a trailer for Phantom Menace, so I don't even know what you're talking about. But well, right, because you're a baby. But basically, the um, old man perspective. Kind of, yeah, and you're. That's again. That's why people pay the money, right? So, so what? You're getting paid for this? Uh, why? Why no? No. Oh, okay. Uh, okay. Definitely not getting paid. Uh, yeah. So anyway, um, <laughs> so right. So it, it had been a long time since the previous trilogy had ended, and people were excited about it, and the trailer was awesome. I mean, it would just. It was so slick. It had all the great cuts and the battle cutscenes and things like that. And it would close with, you know, the uh, spoiler alert: the opening of the duel at the end when the doors open. Dude, what? That's such a spoiler. I know, right? <laughs> but basically, the scene where you know Darth Maul gets in his stance and he holds the lightsaber out flat. One side comes out, and then the other side comes out. It was the first time you've been exposed to that dual lightsaber. And, you know, like nerds in their 20s like me at that time who had been anxiously awaiting the return of Star Wars, you know, um, not to the extent where I was out there LARPing on the sidewalk like those fucking idiots in the Triumph the Insult Comic Dog uh, video. But but I was definitely looking forward to it with the technological advances and all that. I was kind of really looking forward to it. Oh, boy. Boy, oh boy. Um, Did you, um, so I gotta ask, I know there was a cultural phenomenon of Phantom Menace denial. Uh, were you in Phantom De- Phantom Menace denial when you first Phantom Menace denial, like, saying, like, oh, this it like, wasn't that they bad. They came out of the theater, bad. yeah, and they're like, they're like, you know, it wasn't that bad. I, I, I think actually kind of liked it. I think I actually told Bob that Darth, that Darth Maul was great. <laughs> It's like he said two lines and he wasn't even the actor that spoke them. Yeah, but he's the best actor in the movie. He is, though. He is the best actor in the movie. Well, he's the, the best presence part. in the movie, right? For sure. Oh, my God. Yeah, I mean, so. Man, oh, man. I will say, this like, I was watching it again. Doozy. I was watching it again as I rewatched it, and the opening scene and the crawl was good. And I will say, 
the space shots and the ship shots are just fucking gorgeous. Um, at that point in time, that was the best use of CG was was um, to do like to um, to achieve you know like the the space shots and well yeah and the ships their budget, and battles. Their budget was just infinity dollars for this movie, probably right. So. Yeah, he pretty much financed it himself. I mean, he didn't he could do whatever he Jesus wants. Christ. Which, which basically, you know, um, you know, is I think, and we'll get into it. I think at some point, um, where I think his problem lies is that he had nobody telling him to stop. In some cases, uh, he had no counterbalance. And I'm talking about George Lucas. So, um, but anyway, I don't want to get too much into that right now. The great but, genius, George Lucas. But. You know, I mean, there there are things to like about it. I mean, I when I watch it and I watch the opening I, scene. Wait, really? Where? Oh well, <laughs> I, I don't know, man. So I definitely, even though it's a little too much, I do feel like the whole warrior monk vibe that Liam Neeson puts out um, and Ewan McGregor put out. The whole point of the Jedi is that they are even keeled; that they, that nothing disturbs them. They are their whole their whole. Their whole shtick is that is that you don't give in to your impulses, you don't give in to your emotions, because that will cloud your judgment, and then you won't be able to respond to the moment. And so you see that from Liam Neeson all the way throughout. Now, the words they put in his mouth are sometimes just fucking awful. I mean, if there's one consistent oh complaint about the, about the prequels... About every single prequel, the dialogue is the just dialogue, so, so bad. Yeah, and you oh need, I mean, God. that's how you know, like, some of the actors in those movies are, are some of the best in the world. Because some when they make the dialogue work in some cases, when the delivery is good, they, you, they should get an Academy Award for it. Because the words oh are saying God, suck. Man. But it's the delivery cringe. at times is good. Like, like, like you, and, you and McGregor continually him, would in deliver. This movie, yeah. In this movie, he's pretty boring, I think. I don't think he comes into his own until Attack of the Clones. But in Attack of the Clones and and Revenge of the Sith, yeah, he's just so much fun to watch, even though it's just all bad. Well, he is is the the sidekick in this one. He is the the Padawan, right? He's the guy that has to, um, you know, he is the apprentice, right? So he is not going to be in the forefront. Um, But, you know... I will say the things that worked for me when I watched it both the first time and um, and when I rewatch it is I really like for the most part the uh, the the portrayal of of the Jedi themselves. So like they go, you know, you see them do their thing for real for the first time, um, and as opposed to the original trilogy, which because of you know the budget. And the effects capability, well, not the budget, because that they, they had unlimited dollars eventually for those two. But yeah, by but, uh, but yeah, but I mean, just the movie. the fight craft and stuff like that, and obviously the ability to to visualize the kind of fights that he had in his mind for what Jedi could do, you know, weren't really possible until when he did. He always said when he finished Jedi that he would do more movies when he felt the technology was good enough, and he mm-hmm. actually founded Lucasfilm and and the THX, whatever it is, his effects studio, um, to basically only, advance the art. So if only he, he could get to these movies. 10 more years. <laughs> right. 
if only he had invested like time in, in screenwriting and dialogue. <laughs> like, the, see, here's the problem: is uh, George Lucas in this movie was like, "Wow, CGI is cool," um, but I forgot how to write a movie, and I forgot how to direct actors, and yeah, that didn't turn out great. Um, That's fair. There's some, there's some big problems with the acting in this movie, like. Every performance in this movie is wooden as fuck. Uh, it's like I would go ahead. Except for the save for save for the racist comic relief, like everything is just wooden, and it's so boring to watch. I, there's one exception to that also, and I'm not just talking about the racist uh, aspects. Um, I feel Ian McDiarmid is fantastic. Oh yeah, well he's yeah. good and everything. Like he, he he does the best job I think of of anybody of injecting life into the performance and having. But like you know... that almost makes it worse because there's this scene where he's acting across from uh, Padme's body double or something. I think it's her body double in that scene, um, and he's just like you know he's delivering like this. They're having like a political discussion. Um, and they're just, you know, he's he's delivering these lines in like a pretty convincing and like well done evil mastermindy kind of way. Um, and the person acting across from him is literally just like, "I am a robot. We need to vote this way. Robot, robot, no passion." And like, it's just so boring to watch. It's infuriating. Well, are you talking about her? Because that's one of my things. Is that. Um... But well, you know, no, she, it, she's go ahead. she's an example of it. But it's not just her. Like everybody has this horrible, like wooden delivery throughout the movie. Yeah, and I I feel like um, that's fair. That's I, I feel like that. I feel like that's by design. I don't think that's the actors necessarily because you have tremendous actors in this movie, right? That's right. By, it's, it's bad. That's directing. by right. That's by the direction. That is you know, and and actually. I do think that um, Liam Neeson's performance is not wooden. I feel like he's doing what's no, being he's asked. No, he's actually is... he's actually like the one example of like okay, the Jedi are supposed to be like these um, you know stoic uh, master monk types, right? So if if they're kind of wooden, like I get that because that's sort of what they're trying to portray. But like, not everybody in the movie is a Jedi. You know, like, they're not all supposed to be like that. And they're dealing with some circumstances that I would think would make people pretty passionate and pretty uh, emotional, and they're just not at all. Yeah, I, I feel that the the Jedi are portrayed as, you know, um, a little too stoic, possibly. I think that um, Sam... Samuel Jackson is kind of underutilized, but again, he's the he... most calm you'll ever see him in this movie. Right. <laughs> Literally ever. Like, right. man, that's, it's just, it's kind of surreal seeing him like be so chill. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, he's always talking like this. Right. Yeah. He's always yeah. delivering something like at very high volume and super excited. You get, you get a little bit of that in, uh, in revenge of the Sith, but, yeah, <laughs> not not too much. Yeah, yeah, and so you know, I, I feel that that's the underlying flaw 
with this, and I, I feel like that's going to be a recurring theme once you get past you know some of the early movies. But um, well, I have another major flaw with Phantom Menace uh, that I would like to go into, if okay. that's okay. Uh, and it's called "It's Boring as Sin." Like, <laughs> I'm sorry. I come to Star Wars. I, I come to you on the day of my Star Wars birthday uh, to to see a fun space adventure movie, right? I want to see a happy, well, not necessarily happy, but like a fun, dramatic romp through space, right? And what do I get? Uh, this movie's about a trade dispute. Um, well, it's not, though. Yeah. Right? It's not. It is though. It it's is not. though because it, that's that's the impetus, right? So that is that is so. Does it get a little too mired in that discussion? I think it does. But the whole point, yes. and that's kind of in my messages part of this, is that what and what I feel makes the prequels better than the sequels. Spoiler alert. Um, one of the things is that they have depth, and part of the depth of this and the message of this film is well, the transition. I don't of, know about of republic to empire. They have conceptual depth. To autocracy, right? And and part of that is a demagogue who assumes power through a series of manufactured crises, right? So, mm-hmm. um, so I've never seen anything like that in real life. <laughs> I can't. Talk, I can't think of one of one person who would well, exemplify that in real life. So. I, w- I will tell you, I mean, you were too young at the time, but... It's the especially... Bush administration for these specifically, but... Right. Oh, that was it. Been yeah, a lot. I thought you were... been a lot of <laughs> I, thought, I thought you were talking about Trump. <laughs> no, the, <laughs> the, idea, the idea behind that joke was that it could apply to, like, a million different U.S. presidents, but... Well, no, it's not just the U.S. It's, 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 any, it's any demagogue would be, would be autocrat, right? So it's, it's, it's the playbook out of history. It's not like George Lucas went and said and looked at you know, the Republican Party or the Democrats, you know, I mean, they would, he went and looked at the Roman Empire or, you know, how, basically, how does a republic with, with firm traditions and democracy, how does that devolve into autocracy? And, and so that part of it is interesting, but, um, you know, do they have to spend so much time talking about you know, trade negotiations, but, but, so when you're watching the Senate scene, you know, and the, that is, that's actually the beginning of the end, right? That's where you see it's all Palpatine, right? Palpatine is whispering in her ear and saying, doing, making her do the thing or driving her to do the thing that he needs her to do to put him in a position to assume power. And, um, Oh yeah! Spoiler alert: uh, Palpatine is the Emperor. So what? Oh my know, God! Sorry. Come on! Biggest twist in Star Wars <sighs> ever. I know. Biggest it's... twist in Star Wars. Most important twist contribution to Star Wars. And so that I think that's the biggest contribution Star Wars has made to popular <laughs> culture. Like everybody knows that line. Like this is how liberty dies with thunderous applause, right? That's oh, the I love biggest, that line. That's the most. It, it's a good line said poorly but it's the it's the it's the biggest i disagree contribution from star it's the it's the biggest line in star wars it's the one everyone remembers <laughs> exactly but i but i do think there's that... something about like someone's dad somewhere in the mix but like right. i don't know 
there's lots of <laughs> bullshit. There, yeah, there's lots of great dialogue about like I feel the good in you. Yeah, we'll get to that. Oh um, man, oh man. Uh, but you, yeah, you're gonna feel my good in you. Bend over. No. Uh, so. <laughs> oh so, boy. Yeah, sorry about that. Um, sorry, Ouch. kids. Yeah, bad. No, I, it's just that. So that part of it, that's one of the only things about it. So that's one of the one of the saving graces. That's of that's it. literally the only good thing about the prequels is the concept, mm. in my opinion. I, I I would say that that it there there's a depth there that that in some cases is even there in the original trilogy. However, however, there's no way in hell I'm actually saying that that overall it's a better film you know okay spoiler alert or trilogy than the original series right you know but because here's the know, problem here's the problem you can have all the depth in the world you can have the deepest possible concept right but uh it doesn't really matter how deep the concept is if the movie sucks and it's really boring to watch because spoiler alert if you've never seen it this movie's really boring to watch like it's so boring that even when i was a kid I had to lie to myself to make myself want to watch it. Like, like, well, if I'll I'm tell going you what, through Star Wars movies, I'd be like, oh, I, I gotta watch Phantom Menace, right? I'll, I'll tell like, you what made me, what made this movie stick in my brain, uh, even after the first time I saw it, um, was the music. And I, uh, I feel, yeah. well, I that's feel always, that the, that's also good. I should say, sorry. I feel the the music in the in the sequel trilogy, in some ways, in some cases, surpasses the original, which is hard to say because the original is the original, and you don't have the se- prequels without or sequels without that. But but you know, Duel of the Fates, um, it's yeah, still that's it's, it's a classic, and it's just I mean, something that I just the, love to listen to. Something I said several times while watching this movie for our for our um, viewing was, man, this movie doesn't deserve this soundtrack. <laughs> you know, it's like there'll be there'll be. Do like, you ever feel like John Williams felt like that? <laughs> m- maybe I hope he does because man, the the music like particular like obviously the music from the original trilogy is amazing. Um, but like I just when you said from, that I had this picture. Sorry to cut you off. I just had this picture no, in my okay. head of John Williams. You know, like. After he sees the final cut going, oh, fuck me. Jesus, they yeah, did that with like, my music? Oh, my he's God. He's like, I'm too good for this. What did I do? <laughs> can, I, can I get my name taken off this? <laughs> yeah. It's like, anyway, I'm sorry. Go there's, ahead. There's like, the, the, the main thing that made me feel that was like the scene where Anakin is leaving his mom. And it's just this awful child acting. And I, I'm sorry. Like, Anakin's mom's performance is terrible in this, too. Shmi. Her performance also sucks. But like, and and it's just um, these terrible performances across from each other, right? But like, it has this beautiful like sweeping orchestral score, and like, I honestly, no joke, I think that the score probably tricked about sixty five percent of the audience into yeah. thinking this movie was half decent. Well, because I didn't realize it until after a couple of viewings. Actually, no, I maybe it didn't take me that long. I might have picked up on it pretty quickly, but. It's been twenty fucking years, so who the fuck knows? But, but basically, um, you know, he does great things. Like, you know, Anakin's theme is literally a, a, um, a, I don't know, ballad's the right word, but kind of a, a, a softer, more ballad-like version of the Imperial March, and it's just slightly snuck. Oh in my there. god! Oh my god! Yeah. It's so cool! It's so yeah. cool! You just hear it at the so end. So wasted. Just, so you're, wasted on you're, this movie. You're just sucked into like you know the scene, and all of a sudden, like, 
wait a minute. Oh my god, that's fucking genius. And you're at that point, you know, you're you're you know, you're just like about to have a nerdgasm, but so uh, so yeah. wasted on this movie. So Honestly, wasted. you could argue that that John Williams is the genius behind these all these movies. I don't know. know about all of them. I yeah. the the original Star Wars and and Empire are very good movies outside of the score. Like Yeah. But they they are really worthy of their praise. But I would say all right. So I kind of yeah. I mean uh, so the score is one thing. I actually don't mind uh, I thought his mother was a decent performance. I thought she did a good job of conveying her, you know, um, her fears about letting him go, but knowing it had to be done. She's obviously someone who's kind of force sensitive, but has never been trained, right? She has those premonitions and feelings. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, she understands that he he can't have that life. She doesn't want that life for him. Um, but I think in the end too, what's, what's underpinning this and this whole notion of, of, you know, I know you're extraordinarily irritated by Jake Lloyd, but I'm going to cut him a little slack and I'm going to tell you why. Um, I'm sorry. Be, I got to get no, no, in there. No, He's you can't. You got no for a child actor. No, you can't. You can't talk now. I'm shutting you down. So I'm not saying he's a good actor. He's like eight when he does this movie. No eight-year-old is really that good of an actor. So it's direction. But that being said, I think they wanted that contrast because, you know, when I've heard him talk about this a few times and really, you know, the the arc of these films besides um, the transition at a macro level of republic to autocracy is, you know, an individual's fall from grace you have this sweet boy who would give you the shirt off his back put his life at risk to help out strangers um who's who's you know full of joy you know uh your average kid how does that kid become hitler right how does that kid become you know goebbels and Goering and or or vladimir putin you know to put him in that category i'd say trump but he's too stupid anyway moving on from that statement yeah but um Stupid Palpatine. What was that? Did say that or was that? I can't remember if He's that like was stupid, from. He's like stupid, stupid Hitler. I don't know. I can't. Um, I can't remember if that was from something or if that was an original of ours. But yeah, maybe. I think that was yours, actually. Stupid Palpatine. <clears throat> right. But but I I feel like the kid, you know, part of that is the rubber band effect of of this sweet kid being torn from his mother. That's why the Jedi, right? They have a rule: if they don't get you young, they don't train you. Because, and, and also he's, and that's the underlying theme of, of his, that's his weak link all the way through is he leaves his mother behind in slavery and he, he goes off to achieve his goal, but every boy loves his mother. Every, every child loves their parent and they will, that will, that attachment will be stronger than any attachment they might have to a mentor right and so that is his undoing and that is the that is what you know a bad actor will will take advantage of and that's what we see right so so is the kids performance great no i again i blame 99 percent of this stuff on george lucas and by the way that kid is that kid is paid for because his life was fucking ruined i i also no 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 i this is not on (laughs) him specifically 
but like that performance is bad even yeah. for a child actor. Like, and I, I honestly don't even think it's that bad man, because he, bad. he, he's an eight year old, and eight year olds talk like that, and they, they, um, the, I think the worst part was just some of the dialogue, like when he, he you know, it's like the infomercial, infomercial lead into like, uh, Master Qui Gon. I heard you talk about midi Koreans. I've been wondering what are. Oh my clubs? god, that was. I'm that glad was you asked, so son. Bad. Let that me tell so you about midi Chlorians. You know, so the midi Chlorian is the powerhouse of the cell. <laughs> <laughs> midi Chlorians oh are right here in my pants, kid. Uh oh, Jedi but, scandal. Dude, it was terrible. <laughs> it was so bad. That scene was so bad. Yeah, he's literally like. I when when you watch that, it's like all the mysticism of the Force dies. Like right before your eyes, right. <laughs> it's so bad. Right, it should have just been like the kid's really strong and yada yada yada. So um, like before, the only explanation we ever needed was he's strong in the force. Okay, yeah, yeah. Like that's all I ever need. Oh, I had I had one line in here. I, I just had to say because you made me laugh when you brought it up. Was that because I had my note about like how how great the ships all look? They're all sleek and gorgeous. And I wrote, oh, except for God. the except for the giant cock and ball spaceship to, to, <laughs> at the that's, end. That's, that's the, one, the Palpatine. Right? That, or, I, well, Palpatine, I found a, yeah. I found a reason for that. That's Palpatine's ship, and he he's riding in the cock and ball spaceship because he's gonna fuck he's everybody in the galaxy. <laughs> yeah, it's literally like it, literally we're just we were just like sitting there on the couch like talking about. <laughs> Talking about what we'd watched and like the movie's winding down. We're talking over things and then like, hold on, is that a dick? <laughs> like, that's really just... a giant cock. Um, that ship yeah. looks just like a wiener. <laughs> tell me, um, tell me, son, do you like movies about gladiators? So, um, so yeah, I, I think that on the on the good side, the, the I do think it has messages. I talked about the transition of Republic to autocracy, the pride of the Jedi was one. And also an under, an underlying theme through all of these movies is balance, right? Balance the yin and yang of human nature and, and how to, you know, if you try to embrace one extreme or the other, you, you just leads to disaster. And so, so I think that there, you know, that there's well, that's one of the conceptual things I've always found kind of cool about the prequels is that, in the prequels, Anakin does still bring balance to the Force because he does. the problem yeah. is the good side is too strong. That's the whole issue in these movies. Well, I, I think that, that that. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm well, the issue is that the Jedi have gotten too strong and they've lost their way and they've become complacent. And so, essentially, the idea, at least the way I see it, is that Anakin is the chosen one, so he comes along and puts the Jedi in their place, basically. And then when it comes time to put the Sith in their place, right. and he so, does it again. Um, it's not that he puts them in their place. It's just that he he snaps back against their um, their intransigence. Yes, and, and he, their, uh, the perversion of their own ideology, basically. Right, and and also their pride gets in the way of seeing being able to sniff out the danger. Now they have somebody actively trying to prevent them from from figuring out the danger. Um, but at the same time, yeah. there's a lot of their own pride and ego involved and, and, you know, 
thinking that if they ignore training the kid, one thing I was thinking of is like if they don't train him, let's say they don't take him as a padawan. They don't yeah, train like what him. if Palpatine just scooped him right up outside right. the hall? Right, exactly. It's like, it's like hey, here, little kid, boy, here's you candy. Free your mother. <laughs> like, because <laughs> I was gonna say that's better than what I was gonna say. I was gonna say, here, kid, want a Hershey bar? You know, it's like, <laughs> oh, yeah, it's, get into my van. Like, <laughs> I figure, I figure, like they, they say, like we're not gonna train Anakin, right? And then Palpatine would literally just walk over to him and be Great. like, you know what frees people from slavery really easily? Force this. lightning. Right. <laughs> like, right. like, oh, you want to free really? your mother? I'll kill them all right now. Here, uh, let's just choke Watto out in the middle of the street, right? right. It's like, uh, I don't know, man. So, <laughs> Not much logic in that decision. Yeah. Yep. And so... I think we got to go from there. Like that was all the good stuff, but I got to go to the next part, which is like, this movie is racist as, as fuck. fuck. Oh my God. It's so bad. Like there's like every single alien is basically just a racial stereotype. Like if there's an alien with a speaking part, they're pretty much a racial, a racist stereotype. It's yeah. fucking the, crazy. The worst have to be actually it's kind of, it's a tie, right? I, it's I can't a tie between the Trade Federation and and, and Jar Jar. Yeah. Tr- I dude, I do not know how people forget about the Trade Federation. They're literally the most racist sounding like Japanese stereotype ever. Yeah, oh my I, god, it's crazy. Watto, Watto is like straight the off the Jewish like stereotype. Nazi, straight off like a Nazi. Oh my poster, god, you know, it's big like, nose only cares about money, like. <laughs> Right, has oh that accent. God. I'm like, oh my god, it's just it's like bad. Yeah, I, the the worst though for me is like is like how how does this get through? No, when it, when they making these who movies, looked at that and said it was a good idea? Making these George Lucas making these movies took well, yeah, three but... years, and so this is why I think that I was reading like because one of the notes I have was like about the Gungans and I because I found out that Brian Blessed was the guy who voiced Boss Nass. And Brian Bless is a, uh, I don't know if he's still around, but he is a classically trained, you know, Shakespearean British actor. He's been around forever. He's been in everything and he's awesome. And he, I, I had to wonder, like, did he sign off on this? Because I, when I looked really? it up, he, I read that he tried to talk Lucas out of aspects of this. Like, you know, especially like Jar Jar. He's like, people are going to hate him. And he was right. <laughs> And so, Jar like, Jar is so bad, dude. But I mean, it's just it's but but Jar Jar the whole the whole depiction of the Gungans is just bad. They're literally yeah. like the bumbling black man stereotype. Like it's so bad. Yeah, it's like they took it out of the '30s film. Jar you know, Jar, Jar, Jar they... is basically like a minstrel show character from how bad it is. Yeah, it's it's he's just it's... an alien and not a black person, so they got away with it basically. Uh, no, I don't think they really got. It. I think a lot of. I think there were a lot of people who were kind of upset at the, you know, at the racist nature of it. But they they did get away with it. But the I think the Trade Federation is just man. I when they that open with those nuts, guys, dude. so that one is nuts. So, so one of the points I brought I wrote down was like, why why do they continue to talk in racist stereotypical Asian accents in private? Don't they have their own language? That's <laughs> just like why? Why do they have to do that? I mean, it's just like what the flying fuck, you know? Oh my God. It's, uh, and like they're not even funny. Like it's not even meant to be funny. It's literally just racist. The only like, funny part was like the one guy in the beginning who's like the only one with humility. 
and he's trying to tell them like don't cross the jedi you won't survive it they will kill you and he's like you know um but you know it's uh yeah there, there's there's almost nothing good to say about that that's just it's, it's, it's just terrible it's just horrible yeah um my my other problem with it was like the cg as the extensive use of cg for everything from characters to this, this to ships and space stuff it's it just too wasn't much, ready man. It, it was too much, too much and i wasn't ready yeah um i think that they had making great made great strides so so you know lucasfilm had done the special effects for jurassic park right the the digital animation for that which was phenomenal even by today's standards Right, because and, it was balanced with like ninety percent practical stuff, you know. Right, I mean? they they had practical stuff uh, and, and everything. I, like, I'm a firm believer that like, pretty much CG should always only be used to augment majority practical effects. Yeah, but like, it was way too early to lean on it as hard as they did in this movie. Like, yeah, yeah. Oh my god, it was too much. Like, like honestly, there's stuff in the original trilogy. That are literally just puppets and like actors and costumes that look better than the stuff in this movie. Yeah, there is no CG in the old movies. Well, I mean, there exist. didn't used to be. Right. Well, we'll get to that. There <laughs> Sorry. wasn't always. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was gonna go on about the pod race, but we we don't have time. The pod well, we race have time, but I'm I'm well, running well, out of, I'm running out of energy it. to talk about this fucking movie anymore. I can succinctly say that the pod race is 20 minutes where nothing happens and you want to blow your brains out. Well, the only thing I like about it was the notion of, you know, it's like Ben-Hur, and I think he even says that when he talks about the movie. It's Ben-Hur, and basically the fate of the galaxy rides on a race and with a nine-year-old. Um, but that being said, it goes on too long, and there's a lot of ridiculous you just keep, moments. You, you keep asking yourself, how is this still going? You know what I mean? <laughs> it's like, yeah. it's so awful. Yeah. But anyway... Yeah. Moving think, on. Is that all we got to say about Phantom Menace and how um, horrendous it is? I think so. I had some quotes that I liked, but um, like you know, I think the best one was like, "You were right about one thing, Master. The negotiations were short." That is that is a good line. That's a good line. There are some. There are a few good lines in these movies. Yeah. And, oh, actually, there's one I had to bring up. Particularly, which I just particularly was... written for Obi Wan. Yeah, Obi Wan had the best lines. lines, but he also has. I think Ewan McGregor has the best delivery. So, but I think that um, one last one is at the end on Naboo when the Trade Federation guys are being marched off. The, you know, the the captain. I can't remember what his name is. Uh, for Amidala goes, there goes your trade franchise, and I'm like, what about the millions of people they murdered? <laughs> Yeah, uh, you lost your trade franchise. You're screwed. <laughs> but you get to live despite you kill all these fucking people. So anyway, My, that's, uh... so so I guess to sum it up, like what I'd say about Phantom Menace is there's there's somewhere somewhere in the process there was an interesting concept, but it's the most boring thing in the world, and it's just totally failed in every aspect of execution. Right. Uh, not every, but it, it does. It does, you know, there's just too many problems with it to really sign off on it as, like, you know, a good movie. but Or even, like, passable. <laughs> Fair enough. So that, I think, uh, I've talked about that movie about all I can. Um, excuse me. But 
I think we move on to The Force Awakens, right? So The Force yes, Awakens was on. also everybody's excited. Everybody blamed George Lucas for the prequels and how how much they hated which, them. And... Which, to be fair, George Lucas is at fault for the prequels. <laughs> he is, <laughs> like, but I mean, yeah. But everybody's excited. It's you know, Disney took it over and they gave it to J.J. Abrams. Everybody loves J.J. Abrams, and so in 2015, this movie comes out and everybody's super excited and. I have to say, um, I remember my memory of this movie watching it in the theater with you guys because we all went. It was a family thing. And I'm there, and I'm, like, making some snide comments about it. And you looked at me. You were, like, 15. You look at me. You go, like, Dad, this is my first Star Wars movie in the theater. Can you not? Can you let me enjoy it? And I'm, like, oh, my God, I'm a terrible father. <laughs> it's just, like, <laughs> I'm just awful. I can't believe, like, I could. And then it hits me. It's, like, this is your moment, right? That was your, you know original star wars moment where you your first movie in the theater like for me it was the original one when i was like 10 and you, you know and i kind of robbed you of that yeah. moment but to be fair i think jj no, no, robbed you of that moment <laughs> it's just well it's hard to oversell how much like because there's this like i don't know if it's the same feeling that i had watching this that people had watching phantom menace because it's like well first of all I think this movie is significantly better than Phantom Menace. I don't think it's great. I just think it's like okay. It's not like it's an, it's not great. You know what? But like go ahead, sorry. But like I don't know. Maybe maybe this is a, a for me specifically like I literally like as we said pretty much from birth was raised on Star Wars. Like I I had seen I had watched Star Wars, I think, a hundred times. I had asked you 4,000 times, Dad, why do episodes 4, 5, and 6 come before episodes <laughs> oh 1, God. 2, and 3? That's right. About 300 <laughs> times, right? At least. So it's just like seeing this was, was just I – had, I had talked about how I wanted to make Star Wars X for like – 10 years right you know what i mean or like or like almost almost two decades at this point right um so it just was a really big deal to me um particularly in the theater and and you know looking back on it it's not an amazing movie but like it's fun it works and to be honest with you that's all star wars needs to do for me um you know I, I'm going to disagree with you on that one because I, I think that when you look at, when we start looking at the better movies in the series, you can realize just how good it can be. And that's the frustrating well, I mean, part. We're, we're going to, we're going to later in this episode. I mean, yeah, a new hope is just insanely, it's like a perfect movie almost. Um, until he butchered it himself. Oops, spoilers. <laughs> yeah, we'll get into it. We'll get yeah. into it. Okay, but, so but I so I weekends. largely agree. So the way the, the the way I put it about this movie and in general with J.J. Abrams movies is like they're cotton candy. They taste great, um, but it's gone quickly, and then you don't you forget everything about it because yeah. there's nothing to it. It's like a wispy, smoky performance of a film that you know I like. I'm watching it, and you know. It starts great. Um, the actors are phenomenal, right? Yeah, 
right? Yes. I, I love and everybody in this movie. I here's, love... Here's the other thing about this, this movie, too, is that, like, when I watch this movie, like, I just feel, like, the utter passionate love that I think J.J. Abrams clearly displays for Star Wars, and specifically for the 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 look, feel, and and design of the original Star Wars. Because the thing about this movie to me is that watching it, it feels like a return to form for the franchise. Do you, do you get what I mean? I get in it. A, but in I a lot agree. of ways. After the prequels, after the prequels specifically, it feels like it is, it, it is, it's fun. It's an adventure. It's, it's not trade disputes and, and boring Senate talk. It's, yeah. it's going back to, you know, there's so, and, and uh, this is something I actually had my mind changed about a little bit. So initially I had thought that the world building was very poorly set up and I still don't think that it's deep enough, but I do think that they do a better job than I initially had thought at setting up how the world works because essentially I, I when I initially saw it, I didn't understand what the dynamic be- in, between the first order and the resistance was, but having watched it again, it makes sense to me. Basically it's like the first order is the empire's remnants, essentially trying to hold on to territory while the resistance is basically like a, military funded like they're basically like a, a a guerrilla group funded by the new republic unofficially to fight that um that growing presence essentially and and to drive them away right and i i get that um i, I think that it's still paper thin I think that what they sacrifice. So, so my take on this film is that um, it excels where the Phantom Menace and the prequels uh, fail, and it fails where those with that where those movies succeed. I would and, largely agree with that. I yeah. think I just value the successes of. I, I think I value the successes where Phantom Menace or where the prequels fail more than I value the successes of the prequels. I'm, I'm going to throw the suicide squad back in your face for a second because, okay. Uh, not the suicide squad, which is the sequel coming out in a couple of years, but Cringe. suicide squad that we just covered last episode, which is, you know, you, you're given a blank check, right? Yes. And, you know, you are one of the creative forces in Hollywood shaping, you know, pop culture for generations to come. I'm talking about J.J. Abrams. You're given a blank check, and you, he's a talented guy. There's no doubt about it. But his his movies in general have the depth of a waiting pool, right? And he can't... There, There's nothing original in this movie except... Um, I mean, so... so I love, like I said, I love the actors. I mean, Max von Sydow's in this fucking movie for five minutes, and he's better than anybody in Phantom Menace. Oscar Isaacs is phenomenal. Uh, John Boyega is phenomenal, right? Harrison Ford steals the whole fucking movie. Matter of fact, the worst part about this movie is that they kill him. They kill all the old characters in these movies, right? When they're the best things in them, right? And so, 
You know, Han in this movie is just so well he's done. He's just great. I mean, the it quotes, like, like you know, like, I like this thing perfect... with the crossbow, and uh, you yeah, know, that's not how the force works. And is there a garbage like, shoot? Oh, that yeah. specifically, specifically on like the specifically on like the uh, that's not how the force works line and yeah, stuff right. like that. Right. Like this, this is exactly how Han Solo would grow up to be a curmudgeonly old man. Yeah, you exactly. know what I mean. Right. Like it's exactly how he would sound if he right. if he was an old. Because Harrison Ford's a really good actor, right? Yeah. He's been doing just, it for 50 years. He's a really well, good actor, right? They, but they also just write him really well And they in this wrote movie. him really well, correct. Yeah. yeah and it's, Honestly, I have a feeling uh, with Harrison Ford and knowing, like, you know, he doesn't need to do this shit anymore. No. If they had written it badly, he would have just said, this sucks, rewrite it. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, and I, and even like the guy who plays, I wrote down here, like General Hux is a great space Nazi. Like, oh, yeah. He's, he's a lot of fun. He's a so, lot of fun. So right? he, to me... Because the Star Wars of old is really mired, like the villains have always been mired in the iconography of, of fascism, right? Correct. And so what Hux totally nails to me is the neo-fascist mindset, right? Where the neo-fascism is basically like all about brown nosing and like they're they're really just pathetic little wimpy whelps and, and putting on airs. And like that's exactly the, the chord they strike with Hux. Right. The the, the the underlying theme, right, of fascists in general, right? Not just Nazis, but but you know, you look at the right in America right now, not to get political. But they that is what they attract. People who don't think too deep. They blame everybody else for their problems and you know, they have small dicks, which clearly Hux has. So yes. um right. And I, I say what, that semi jokingly but he's like Yes, it's true. This man has has no, no dick. dick. <laughs> that was Ghostbusters, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but um, but but essentially that's it. Like when you when you read about history and the Nazis, they were the losers, right? They were the ones who, you know, nobody liked, and they blamed everybody else for their problems. And then they somehow, once they got power, they were able to do a lot of populist things and gain, you know, more power. But but anyway, but yeah, he he does a great job of of filling those shoes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you know, I, I love the look. I love the effects. I love the battles. I love all that stuff in, in, Adam, in many Adam ways. Driver is Kylo Ren, too. For the really most great. part. Yeah, he's great. Um, I think Kylo Ren, Ren is the best done character in the whole sequel trilogy. But... I don't think. Uh, is he? I think I think because he's such a strong performer, it's close. Yeah. But. Um, I don't want to give away too much. I have thoughts on it as we get to, through the series, but um, in this movie, he's definitely. I mean, they're all strong. There's not a weak link in this movie. In these, in the in terms of the actors, yeah. In this, in these movies, because you know there just isn't. I mean, even you know Ray is new, but she's great. I mean, what they yeah. ask her to do, um, and the look of it's great. The the chase scene with a falcon on. Oh my God, that's amazing! What's the that name of the so well of, of I call it New Tatooine. What's the name of that? Jakku. Yeah, right. Tatooine so... Two Electric Boogaloo. <laughs> right. <laughs> did, did I have two sons? I can't remember. But like I, the chase scene on the planet where the where they're just weaving in and out of the old ships and all that. That look is is fantastic, and it, it catches your imagination, and and you know you're you're on the ride and enjoying it, and yeah. that part of the roller coaster, you know. That's what J.J. Abrams is, is great at. Now, getting into the bad. But what, what, I'm gonna say is, okay. what I'm going to say is, here's the thing. Like, movies ultimately, particularly Star Wars movies, are entertainment. Every right? movie is entertainment. Every movie that... is entertainment. And, like, 
I find this movie to be highly entertaining, regard like it, it, even in spite of its flaws. Right, and I, I'm not I'm not gonna say the movie made two million dollars, so I'm I'm not gonna I can't. It's not a bad movie. I, it's an enjoyable movie. I had I had fun with it, but in the end, I walk out of it and I'm like, man, eh, I don't care. I rewatched The Phantom Menace about five times, just I think because of the music, and the fight and the duel at the end, right? All Oof. that stuff that that pulled me back. This movie I can do without. I swear to God, I I, I saw it once I in the don't theater, know, man. I saw it once in the theater, and I never felt an urge to see it again. Uh, and I felt that way about all of the sequels. Sorry. Spoiler alert, but um, but th- but that's the problem, you know. If you get into the bad things about this movie, and it's my problem with J.J. Abrams in general, is there's just the guy can't. He has moments of orig- of originality that are great, like in, in the opening scene of Star Trek, the the Star Trek reboot is just that is just so well done that it, you know, for the flaws that movie has towards the end, I'm fine with it. But yeah, but. You know, uh, for this movie with the money they had, and the best he can do is come up with Super Death Star, uh, hiding secrets in a droid, and the trench run. Hey, it'll be just like Beggar's Canyon back on Luke's <laughs> home planet. <laughs> yeah. So uh, that for, was such for a people good listening, oh that's God. our little inside joke is when we were rewatching this, and I was bitching about the the lack of originality (laughs) as they're heading into the trench run. I just start riffing on, on the original star Wars lines, like where Luke's going in the Canyon saying, it'll be just like beggars Canyon back home. I was waiting for, for Poe Dameron to say like, Hey, I hear it'll be just like beggars Canyon back on Luke's home planet. You know, just like there's nothing (laughs) original in it. You know, it's just like, it's just a fucking, you know, I'm, that's why I get bored because like, Oh, okay. It's a super death star. And they're gonna blow it up at the last minute and save everybody. I, okay, I, I saw that. I disagree with you here. I do not think there's nothing original. These characters are very different from the characters in the original Star Wars trilogy, and I think that a lot of the fun of this movie is it's designed for getting to accustom people to new characters taking on the franchise. Right? Are like, you assuming that we can't uh, walk and chew gum at the same time? That I can't take in it. I'm not assuming. I'm not assuming. I'm not assuming you can't. I'm not assuming you can't do that. But a lot of people can't do that. No, now, do I think entirely. that's ideal? No. no. Do I think that's ideal? No. But no. I honestly don't think that that was in J. I mean, I don't know. I don't think that was in his mind at all. I don't know what was in his mind, but I don't think that was a calculation at all. Um, I but just I think that think... I just think that he doesn't have, you know, like oh, it's the Empire, right? All right, we'll just make another Death Star. <laughs> I, first two worked out great. I don't. I don't agree with that, Tim. I, I genuinely do not agree with the characterization of this movie as like a hundred percent derivative of A New Hope. I think there are definitely obvious, like obvious parallels, but I don't think it's literally just it is exactly the same movie. That's no, just not the case. no, and I'm not. I'm like, not saying that. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying and, and it's exactly also, the same movie. Also, to counter that, A New Hope's fucking amazing. So at least you're copying the best. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, but it's just, you know, it just, no, I'm sorry. It's just, it's just a lack of originality. And, you know, you've got baby Darth Vader with a stupid fucking helmet. And it's like, you know, it's like a McDonald's drive through mic, right? Like, I can't understand what the fuck he's saying. It looks I, stupid. I still don't, I still don't think it's as bad as the Bane mask, but. 
<laughs> I mean, that's a whole other argument. But I mean, it's just stupid. I mean, and plus, it just ruins a good actor's performance, right? Um, my other problem is uh, instant Jedi syndrome. I don't think either of us like this. That yeah, much. no, this is an issue. Right, is where issue she just movie. suddenly can fight. I mean, she can fight. They they establish early on she can fight. And but I mean, you know, they establish it makes, it makes sense that she can fight. Like she has been living on her own right. on like a junk world. Right. It makes sense she would know machines and know how to fight people. Right. But like, I'm sorry, she's literally never tapped into the force and then immediately masters the Jedi mind trick in three tries. Again, like, it, that, that's a J.J. Abrams thing. It's, it's what other place things I, uh, other podcasts they call gumbification. Like, oh, we just need her to be powerful here for a second, so we'll just do it. Um, and they just need her to be at that stage so she can fight this guy and have have uh, have a thing. And I'm just like, you know, at least John Boyega, Boyega's character was a trained soldier, right? Right. Um, well, well, like the resisting Kylo Ren thing, even like that makes sense to me. That it's makes like sense. I was reaction. fine with that. I actually, you know what I, mean? it's I like, actually like that that scene. I agree. He's yeah. he's like inv- it's it's a visceral reaction to having your brain invaded. Basically, well, I mean, right? it's it's literally it's very creepy. It's actually like a, it's almost like an, it's like an assault, right? Uh, yeah. Well, it's like a mental torture will thing too. It is, but it also smacks of like a, both both me, of those scenes are as, really uncomfortable to watch. Very uncomfortable yeah. to watch, and that's why, like in my notes, I was kind of like, um, I really enjoyed how she turned the tables on him, and during yeah. that scene. So that made that's a, I'm okay with that. That is like I think that's a great usage of raw force power, right there. Exactly, like she. Can but the problem her, is, yeah. raw force power only goes so far, right? If she had found, like, for example, like if she had like force pushed the or like pulled the keys or something. Right. That makes sense. Like, it's just her, like, viscerally using the psychokinetic powers of the force. Right. Right. But like the Jedi mind trick is supposed to be like an advanced technique that is like very difficult to master. It's, yeah. it's that thing like right. like you, in the original trilogy, you don't see Luke do that till Return of the Jedi. No, I know. Right. I know. He can't he can't do it until Return <laughs> right. of the Jedi. And that's a big moment when he finally manages to do it because he's come in as like a full new Jedi master and his arc is done, basically. Right. Right. Um, it, it's showing his mastery of the force, right. which you can't skip it. It's important. Right. So it's just like that. And that's, that's the laziness, right? That's where the laziness comes in. They just, yeah, they just need, he needed it to be this, to, to, to get to, from A to B. And, you know, he just decided to take the shortcut and, um, you know, it's, it's just, it's the laziness that bothers me. You know, I mean, Say what you want about the Phantom Menace. He put a lot of thought into that stupid shit. <laughs> and there yeah, was some the consistency is to it. It is still shit. stupid, right? But with, and it's with this movie though, like I you know I, I think honestly we're 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 knife fighting over over largely a couple of fairly forgettable movies in the end run, right? That's what this is all about. But <laughs> right. Well, but, well I don't but think I, Phantom Menace is forgettable. I think it's memorable in a bad way. No, I honestly there are things and maybe it's just the fuzzy memories thing, but I there are even even rewatching it, there were things I enjoyed about it. But but in the end, yeah, like when it ended I was like, okay, I don't think I'm watching this again for a while. Yeah. Um and this movie's the same. It's like honestly, I really enjoyed it until they get to the part where it's actually the plot, 
and they got to take out the super death star. And I'm like, you know, um, and, and it's honestly, and I think I made this comment while we were watching it was that the whole movie is just fan service and some of it's great fan service and some of it's just pandering bullshit. The, the fan and, service in this is done a lot better than it gets later though. Yeah, it is. It is. And it, it's, and honestly, for the most we were part, watching for the most it. Part, I think it's pretty tastefully done. It is. And for the most part, I'm watching it and I'm laughing at the right spots and, and I'm enjoying the action. I thought the, I thought the, the, battle on the forest planet or moon or whatever that was it's so cool um, it, it was so cool. great not just the dog fight that comes but in the beginning when you know they're they're, well, they're the fighting on the ground really good too um yep that's well is there actually a duel on that oh you mean there when is, he fights yeah. the other stormtrooper the lights no the no, lights no. her her between her ray and ray and um kylo ren they're their duel at the end of the movie is really oh at good. the end of the movie no it's i meant like really um, brutal and visceral and it feels like i was talking a, about the like temple scene fight Oh, 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 oh. Yeah, yeah. That's Temple that's scene. a good scene, too. All the action yeah. is really well done in this All movie. All the action's really well done. Um, although, honestly, for the level of training he had, he should have fucking mopped the floor with her. Maybe that's the well, whole point well, of like, how powerful we've, she we've is. Talked this o- we've talked this over, though. Like, he, he's injured during the fight. He's, he's yeah. gimped, basically. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Plus, I think at that point, he's trying to convert her, not... Um, and I, he may her. he may also be thrown off his game because he's kind of sensing how powerful she is and all that. I get that, but yeah. But even so, it's just kind of like you know. I'm willing to suspend some disbelief for the fight. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, what what you end up doing with this movie, at least the first time you watch, it, is what I ended up doing with the Star Trek remake reboot, which was you you paper over all the shortcomings because you're enjoying the ride, but then when you the way I put it to people is if you think about J.J. Abrams movies too hard, they fall apart like fucking tissue paper because <laughs> there's no there's no logic to it. He's constantly like inventing shit that just, you know, it, it um, I forgot the term for it, but basically it, it results in just throwing. If you think about it logically, it throws the entire universe that in that world out of whack, you know, Um and in this case, like the the real stupid parts for me are just like you know, I, I can't help it. You know, I I'm not I'm not a scientist, but I know enough about science and I know enough about physics that I'm like I'm watching this thing. And you, even you laughed at it when I brought it up. Like their big weapon drains their local sun. They drain the sun. That's not, the not only part. that. Not only that, uh, but they already drained it once. It doesn't come back. <laughs> No, the best part. The best part is like, oh, it's cold now, and it's dark yeah. That's what I'm saying. It's like it's like they <laughs> like they drain the they drain their drained. sun, and the worst thing that happens is it, it doesn't destroy the whole solar system. <laughs> it gets it cold. Of, it just gets cold. And it snows. <laughs> yeah, that was, like, that was dumb. That was dumb. But you know what? At least it created a cool environment and some pretty badass visuals. But that's so, my you know point. What? You know, it. it's just like the thing is, is that you know the visuals are astounding. And you're watching it, and you can almost not care about that stuff. And look, start, I'm the sorry, stuff he does the, the in, cannon, the cannon draining the sun looks cool. Yeah, but not cool enough for me to like just take that <laughs> leap of lot. I mean, I get it; it's fantasy. The thing, but the thing you're, that you're, I thought you were getting into, you're putting you were it like... into our universe of of how space works and 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 physics, and so you know. How do you know that they have hyperdrives? <laughs> because they're in theory, you could have faster than light travel even with our science, but it's just not practical, right? So there's, there've already been, there are theoretical designs I was reading online about 
uh, warp technology, right? Like actual warp technology, right? It, it's a theory, except the energy required would have to, you'd have to have something bigger than a planet to drive it. So. Yeah, to have like a fusion reactor, you know? Well, like, you'd have to like, have something the size of you'd Jupiter have to, make to a power mini, it, right? You'd have to make like a mini sun in your, <laughs> in your, so, uh, in your battery pack. So, so I, I'm okay with, with, you know, I mean, it's, it's science fantasy. It's fine. Like the force, the, the the where you where you get to take liberties is with magic, right? Like the force, yeah. you don't have to the explain it. Like you said, the force is such a soft magic system that you can just do anything with it, basically, for the most but, part. But even then, like there's limits, right? I mean, like, there's so, yes, there's stuff that strains credulity, like the training stuff. Like the idea yeah. behind the force is always right. like it's easy to pick up, but it's hard to master the good techniques. You know what I mean? Like right. that's the whole that's the whole point of the force. But like. In in general, like the force can have whatever powers it needs to, if you you know what I mean. Yeah. No, like, for like sure. Force lightning and in, in Return of the Jedi, like force lightning was just a brand new thing that just happened, and like whatever, it's the force. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah, and and that's okay. I I think that that within to a certain extent, it's fine. It's just kind of like, um, and I know it's it's. It's hard to it's hard to put a coherent argument around it because it is you know magic basically right. But at the same time, it's just like if if you're just like I I know you guys have heard me talk about H. J. Abrams movies as being directed by a kid in a bathtub right, where he's just splashing around hmm. with toys. And there's no logic to any of the flow right, just whatever he fucking feels like doing. Yeah, and that's what I feel like when I watch his movies. It's like they're very enjoyable. I loved it when you guys were kids and played in the tub and you and we had fun. But ultimately, when what do you I'm, mean when we were kids? When you were kids, when, when you guys were kids, that. yeah, you I did. still play with toys in the tub. All yeah, time. I'm just, just, I'm not talking about your flesh toy. I'm talking about. Oh, hello. <laughs> that wasn't where I was taking it. I was taking it to a place of childlike. I was taking it to a place of man-childlike wonderment, not jerking my dick off. Oh, <laughs> God damn it! I'm sorry. Well, I mean, you know, if you have one, you are doing that. Sorry, guys. Every, everybody does it. Every literally every person on earth jerks off. So, right. Get comfortable with it, people. Sexual exactly. Revolution. But anyway, exactly. So <laughs> this is so, not the place for that. I I think that that where I land on this movie is that it is, um, it's fun to watch. I will give you that. It's definitely more fun than Phantom Menace. But it's just and and I honestly, it's Harrison Ford's last hurrah. It's and, it's really great watching, and him. it's just great uh, watching his, him. I, I love... don't know if you wrote this. I don't know if you wrote this as a good thing or a bad thing, um, but Han's death in this movie is just like brutal to watch. You oh, know I what believe. I mean? Are you reading my note where I said the murder of Han was fucked? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's just like that's rough to watch, dude. Like their performances in that scene are good. Phenomenal. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. and, and like you literally just like. You're watching like um, Kylo Ren just play him like a fiddle because he's like, I've I actually want. There, there was so much nuance. Sorry, go ahead. Uh, well, the way I view it is like he's he's already been told like if you run into Han Solo again, he's gonna do this. He believes in seeing good in people because he's one of those Luke types, right? And he's seen that with Luke, so he literally just knows how to play the mindset like to a T. And he's like, I'm scared, Dad. You know what I mean? Oh, I actually, oh I actually, God. that, that perform. I was going to say that performance to me was so subtle that I actually believe he was torn right to the last second. 
I don't know, man. No, he because that's why tell. he's got tears streaming down his cheeks. He's like, can you help me do something? I don't know if I have the strength to do it. Right. Yeah, but like that's also part of that's also part of why I feel like it's the uh, the manipulation aspect, though. You know what I mean? It might be. I I see that. So that that's how you know, like that scene, those performances are so good. That as a dad, like it's just crushing to you know possibly have to think about you know conf- like it's it, like a real world scenario would be like your kid has a drug addiction or your yeah. kid um, and then they sucker you into money to go buy more money drugs, to go right same, and so like... and and you think you're reaching them finally and then they roll you for whatever cash you have on you right it's yeah. just it's just heartbreaking to watch it and it was just that, that it was so well performed and acted and 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 that's the strength of these movies, right? It's not the weakness of these movies is definitely not like the message they got from the prequel re- response was loud and clear, and they they reacted, right? They they they. If there's one thing J.J. Abrams excels at is having a writers' room that comes up with great yes. character interactions and dialogue, right? And and then well, and then drawing great performances out of these actors because like man, they got their money's worth out of all these people for got, sure. Yeah, it was. That was they, they're good performances. Like I, I loved the new people. I've never want. I will say this is one of the few movies. I wish they where, got a better Star Wars trilogy to be in. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Hey, they might. <laughs> Oops, spoilers. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. We'll talk about that later. Um, but I, I do feel like um, you know, I I love John Boy. I love pretty much everybody in this movie. Oscar Isaac's um. Jesus Christ, that guy's phenomenal. And I, so I feel like movies. he is. Oh my God. I feel like he's one of the most underrated actors of, of today, because he has literally done just about everything. Dude, he is he is not underrated. People love him. He's amazing. Well, like, I guess I say underrated in the sense that he's not doing everything like I think he should be. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right, like that's Oscar bait movies. I that's don't know. my. I don't, uh, does he that, do Oscar bait movies? I haven't seen. Him, but... I don't know, but he could, and I guess he you definitely know, could. Yeah, I'll stop. I'll stop blowing him now, and because we got to move on. I think I we've we're semi in agreement on the both of those movies at least. But I think yeah. where we still disagree is you know, on you're I I hate to say it, but we're trying to pick between a couple of turds somewhat. It's hard to call a two billion dollar movie a turd, but I okay. Well, here's my thing though: is that I don't think Force Awakens is a turd. I just think it's not amazing and probably not what we deserved out of a new Star Wars trilogy. Yeah. I don't I, I think Phantom Menace is a fucking diuretic shit in toilet bowl. Well, like, I think before we but, come to a conclusion though, we have to get to the fun part of it, which is talking about a new hope. Yeah. Which wasn't Let's called talk a new about, hope before. <laughs> so so we've spent about an hour and forty minutes now talking about nitpicking between the worst or the, the, the lesser of two evils so now so now let's explain to you why the original uh, if we need to show you an, if we need to show you an example exactly of why those two movies are not as good as they could be this is it yeah right like, a new yeah. hope is pretty close to a perfect movie i think so it's pretty close okay done 
Yes, that's all. That's pretty much it. Uh, no, yeah. I'm sure people listening at this point where you said it's like an hour and 40, like, uh, yep, you're right. Okay, end it. Um, yeah. We're not going to do that, people, because as I told you. We're going to talk till we're done. I'm going to talk until my wife comes in and tells me she wants to go to bed. Because <laughs> I'm my own man. All right. Let's, anyway. Uh, so, let's talk about. Yeah, let's talk I, about. I, I got to, um, I got to, man, this is my jam. I got to, I got to, I got to take the lead on this one because, Go ahead. you know, when I, every time I watch this movie, um, you know, uh, you know, I know I say it all the time, but too fucking bad. I'm going to say it again. It just, it literally takes me back to being 10 years old because I was 10 years old when it came out. I remember, uh, I befriended, I came, became best friends with somebody. Uh, around that time because of this movie because he said oh you have to go see Star Wars I met him on the bus and he was telling me about this movie and I would say well wait where's Earth and he's like there's no Earth and I'm like what <laughs> no Earth what do you mean there's, there's no, Earth? no Earth huh and then revolutionary I I literally time. that movie came out in May I didn't go see it until it was like August that's my memory anyway I didn't go see it for months. And then I saw it, and man, it was like when you were two watching Yoda, right? Like I was done. I saw that. Yeah, except back this then. movie was actually good. Yeah, this movie <laughs> came out, and it was like nothing else. It took the aesthetic of 2001 A Space Odyssey, and actually that was his ambition. His ambition was to use the technology and effects that you got with 2001 and make... And then a, make it fun. <laughs> and, and then make it fun and entertaining. <laughs> yeah. Oh, come on. 2001's a classic. But anyway, yeah, so... I, I haven't watched 2001. We will. We'll get there. Um, but everything about it, I mean, everybody just kind of brushes it off because you think, like, uh, okay, that movie doesn't hold up because it's so old. Well, like, this movie well, like, totally fucking holds this movie, up. This movie is somehow, like... And it's a testament to how amazing Empire is that it overshadows this movie. It does overshadow but, like, this movie. This movie is, is overshadowed by Empire. But, like, it's literally just perfect and you're literally talking about comparing the two best movies in the entire set of films well these two movies are like the best blockbusters ever made no joke there was no such thing as a summer blockbuster they're literally the greatest blockbusters ever made because they wrote the fucking book and between jaws and a new hope defined the blockbuster there was no term for blockbuster blockbuster was invented because of particularly this movie this movie changed you know what the summer meant for the film industry, right? Between Jaws, Star Wars, Empire, Indiana Jones, those movies, um, all of a sudden, tentpole summer films became a term, right? And so, and it's because of everything about it. It opens, right? That scene where I still remember watching it the first time where that Star Destroyer just starts filling the screen. And you're yep. like, oh my god, when does this thing end? I mean, imagine watching and that on effect. a big. I mean, back then the, the movie theaters were, were huge, right? And they're they're all everything is models, and the effects are just amazing. It's fantastic. It's still there's. I mean, they look real. Like, I, they look I do real think they. Fuck. I do think they they probably touched things up a little bit when they redid things, and we'll talk about that later because that's the one downside of rewatching this right now. Yeah. But the look was completely inventive. Uh, it was, I mean, the ship design was fantastic. Well, they, they nail this weird, like, the, the aesthetic of, of Star Wars nails this, like, interesting balance of, like, it's futuristic and alien, yet also familiar. 
right? Mm. Because a Star Destroyer, like, while being a very, like, futuristic, weird spaceship that, like, you'd never see in the real world, is still reminiscent of a real-life battleship somehow. You know it, what I mean? That's a good point. I hadn't even thought about that, honestly. It still, like, kind of looks like a real-life battleship that you see in, like, World War II. Well, it, it has it, – or, or an aircraft carrier, right? It has that yeah. mast on the back of the ship. And and I would say probably aircraft carrier is a little closer, but you're right. It, it does keep those design elements. And so you have that kind of familiarity, but that's a great point, is that I'd, I'd honestly never even thought of it that way. At least not yeah. – not, concretely thought oh that looks like a battleship but like you're right the, des- the design the design of everything is just like amazing yeah they basically like uh, like it's a lot of the a lot of the design for star wars it's no secret is like world war ii um era stuff and like when you look at how the rebel soldiers are costumed <laughs> they look like they're like soldiers in world war ii basically but they have like futuristic touches like they'll have those like chest plates that are have like all the buttons on them and stuff or right. they'll have like they have like the weird helmets kind of to set them apart you know what i mean yeah they got the little purina dog chow symbols on their uh uniform and stuff <laughs> yeah, but, those... but but the uh yeah I, I think the other thing too is is that oh, oh know, another, it's not news crate... it's been talked about before but it's the lived in aesthetic right so you have yeah. this this mix of things that are kind of quote-unquote futuristic but you know, Another like, thing like the, Fal- about, the Falcon's um, a spaceship, but it's a piece of shit according to people around it, right? It looks like it's yeah. run down. The universe is lived in. You know, it's it's scarred. It's it's not it's not this like science fiction films typically and before Star they even Wars. Lay, like they lay a lot of world building ground in this. Like yeah. I had forgotten before I rewatched this like last year because I hadn't watched it in a while, but I I had forgotten like. They actually did like set up the world of the prequels before the prequels were a thing. Like, right? There was clear like intent and history to the world that George oh, Lucas was sure. crafting here. For sure. Like he had he had a big vision behind like and, and had designed like a really in depth and and well thought out world. He did, and, um, and that 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 was established like even way back in the seventies, like or when this movie came out. Um, they talked about even then he was talking about how he had enough material for like nine movies or something and yeah. that he chose that that kind of quote-unquote middle part as the most uh as the quote-unquote easiest one to do i guess say i guess i like to say quote-unquote a lot um but you know for whatever practical reasons um but you know he just flipped it like like science fiction up to that point was like Star Trek or 2001 where the future was clean and pristine and everybody wore pajamas on their ships you know I mean it was like that was their yeah. uniform kind of thing um, and this was like gritty and you know um, dark this, this, dark in spots this movie, kinda, is, yeah. this movie is surprisingly dark like you don't remember how dark this movie gets sometimes but like Owen and Baru are like burned. I know. I wrote that down. I was like, I was like, you know, he reacted pretty well for seeing the fact how fucking brutally his, his essentially foster mother and father were killed. Yeah. It's, you know, it's pretty, pretty dark at points. Um, actually, I have have a dark planet of people (laughs) like, yeah. So, so there's a couple of knocks I have about those parts. So one is, and, and actually an interesting kind of point that I thought about with Owen and Baru um 
that was a little bit darker in terms of Obi-Wan, which is that, you know, Obi-Wan has vision, right? I mean, quite literally, the Force gives you premonitions yes. in the future. He kind of knew that was going to happen, right? He needed, he knew who Luke yeah. was. He needed Luke on his side. Did he know that was going to happen and let it happen? Because well, I mean, Obi-Wan, it? even in this movie, is kind of like, I don't think he hated him, but Obi-Wan in this movie is definitely kind of a pragmatist. Hated um, who? You said he hated Luke? No, no. Um, did Not that he... I didn't say that. I was saying, like, did he did he let it happen because he needed him? Well, I think that's entirely possible. and Because yeah. Obi-Wan is kind of portrayed in this movie to be, like, I, I feel like a very pragmatic kind of character. You He's know kind I mean? of a bit manipulative, I think. Right? Yes, I yeah. would agree. Right. Um, but he's, I mean, speaking of the the way he's portrayed is just amazing in this movie. Like he's such a fun mentor character. To well, watch. I mean, you you had Alec Guinness. The guy was already an Academy Award winning actor at that point. Yeah, yeah. he's an amazing so, presence. Right. In the movie. Exactly. Um, no, one hundred percent. And something else I wanted to talk about, um, actually, with regards to the production design, is like the aesthetic of um the jedi and how they're basically like space samurai yeah you know what i mean right like um and they actually modeled the original way they dueled with lightsabers after kendo um like their stances they strike they strike like a kendo fighting stance well i don't know if it's Um, kendo per se but it's certainly yeah they they do have kind of the um um uh a yeah, it is kind of like a samurai. Well, style Darth, Darth of Vader, Darth Vader also looks like a dark samurai, basically. If you look, if you look at it, you know. Oh, what I mean? because of the samurai helmet style. Well, he yeah. has that. He has that like helmet styling and just the way his his suit looks in general, minus like the cape. Probably, yeah, and and I think that they are kind of called out as that, and, and essentially, it's like we talked about in Phantom Menace, right? They are the warrior monks, right? So, yes. um. Yeah, I mean everything about like Darth Darth Vader, right? We thought he when oh we were kids, God. we thought he was a fucking robot. <laughs> we did like, is there a guy in there? Darth or is he Vader to be a robot? is um is one of the best villains literally ever made. Yeah. Um, the voice of of James Earl Jones being lent to that character just gives him such a like commanding um presence. And James it's Earl just, Jones wasn't crazy. James Earl Jones at that point, right? I mean, he became James Earl Jones well, yeah. because of this movie, because of that voice, right? It's su- it's such a good voice. Yeah. Like, it's just so commanding. And, uh, and he, yeah, you're right. He's one of the best villains. And also, to your earlier point about, like, the, the world building and all that, um, that, I'm always a sucker for that. So, for instance, that's... Oh, so am I. I yeah. play D&D. Well, <laughs> like, I, I, think, I just think it's good storytelling, right? If you have a history established that's fleshed out, you can you jump into this story and you know you're not being told everything. And actually, it does a story disservice if you try to explain everything. In other words, you have to leave something up to the imagination and, and interpretation of the viewer or the reader. That's why the Harry Potter books work. That's why Tolkien was a genius, right? Tolkien had literally written entire languages just for fun before he even wrote the hobbit you know he'd he'd fleshed out ideas about middle earth and the trenches of world war one and been working on ideas for 20 years before he put pen to paper 
and then he had an entire lineage of dynasties scratched out when he wrote the Lord yeah. of Lord of the. I mean, all that kind of like you see, right? It's world building. So, it, and it's so like the, he put in the work. The space Lord of the Rings, <laughs> like kind of. It, I mean, it had the makings to be that. You, you kind of feel like like the like you pretty much can draw put a pin in a map through like the Lord of the Rings and say modern fantasy started here yep. and pretty much everything is derivative after that. Modern and storytelling it, started here. Basically. Kind of. Yeah. And I, I think that, um, uh, um, it's, I mean, even, but even, I mean, Tolkien, it wasn't all original, right? Tolkien was drawing on mythology. Right. Well, he's drawing the on the monomyth and stuff right, like that. Right. So, so it's all, it's not in a vacuum and nothing ever is. But he coalesced it into a form that has now been replicated. It's very of times. easily digestible to modern sensibilities. Right, exactly. And it's well executed. Yeah, but yeah. we'll save that for our Lord of the Rings podcast. That's a but right now. World. Oh, by the way, Noah uh, Noah T wants to have an episode about that. He wants to join us for like to talk about those movies at some point. All right, I'm but uh, yeah, we'll have to have to do that. Um, but but anyway, so back to this. Else I wanted to talk about in A New Hope is. Um, the pacing of the movie is just like so good. Yeah. It's um it, it's like it is it just never yeah. stops. It like it never stops moving. Everything is important pretty much. Right. Um and nothing feels like wow, that was a waste of my time. Nothing you know what I mean? Wasted, right. It's a it's a nice, like punchy, uh perfectly condensed movie, basically. I just love I just love who were watching Force Awakens. I didn't love it at the time. But you just kept fucking needling me, like, wait, where's all the trade negotiations? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Where's all the yeah. mind-numbing dialogue? Wait, they're like, they're having. I, I love this, but like, there's too much emotion. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's almost like they're feeling things. I can't have that. It's these actors have yeah. like chemistry. It's it's not right. Something's wrong. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I could just go on and on. I mean, the, like, the, like, the chemistry so between that's why, this so, cast, speaking of, oh my god, that's why like, this movie, talk about dynamite. That's why this movie is the movie it is, and why where the other two fall, falter, right? This is the perfect blend of writing, cast, direction, action, effects, effects. Everything is perfect. There are a few quibbles I have that we'll get into shortly. Um, it even nails like a small amount of social commentary. You know what I mean? Uh, it does, but I'm trying to think about what part you're referring to. Well, I'm just talking about the, the, how it's, how it's kind of rooted in the history of our world and it's kind of examining the, the dynamics of our world. And, and specifically Lucas talks about this a lot, how essentially he was writing it in the context of the Vietnam war. Um, and he wanted the rebels to sort of represent the Viet Cong and in his mind, the empire has always been the U.S. government, basically. I did um, not know this, actually. Yeah. So, yeah. literally, like, he, he's kind of trying to make people... Th it's kind of a, a commentary on how, like, power is not always what's right, and, and authority and obeying the law isn't always what's right. Right. Boy, it's a good thing we don't have to worry about that stuff anymore. Yeah. Woo! <laughs> Glad authoritarianism is over and done with in America. Right. We've learned our lessons from the past, people. Thank God. All right, moving on. Um, yes. Yeah. So, I don't know. I guess some other things to call out. Um, I love the sand crawler, although I think they must have redone it digitally because it looks too good to be yeah. true. Um, 
Even Uncle Owen's uh, good. Well, um, well, Amperu is like, kind of a she's kind of the stiffest part of the bunch, but um, yeah. Mark Hamill is just so great as the angsty. Mark team. Hamill, yeah. Oh my god, he's I was like, going into Tashi Station to pick up some power converters. Yeah, <laughs> but like that's part like that's part of the, like a lot of people make jokes about Luke being a whiny little baby in this movie, right. but like that's part of why the trilogy is so good. It's like it's part of his major arc where he's learning how to grow up and learning how to be a Jedi. Like, well, quite by frankly, the time, go ahead. What, what are you gonna say? I, I was just gonna say that by the time. You roll around to Return of the Jedi. Luke is an entirely different person. Right. You, you see that and feel that in his performance. You you've watched him grow up basically, and and actually I think that's what he wanted to do with Jake Lloyd and Anakin, but it just did not execute. Started, started pretty young. Yeah. Um, cantina scene. How great is that? Oh, amazing! I mean, it's just so good. When I, I thought about it, like, because when we do this stuff now for the podcast, like, I'm, I'm thinking about it more critically. Like, I, I and I thought about, like, you know, the movie's not about a cantina, right? It is a it is a place to get to the next part of the story. But look but at all the so effort. so much flavor in world building. And it's like, look at the, all the, the costumes. Right. Ugh. How, it's just, right, exactly. It's so well fleshed oh, out. Oh, so much thought went into it. We don't serve droids here. That's a great little piece of world building where there's right. like that anti-droid bigotry, and it's like. And actually, I didn't, I didn't really fully understand that, but you know, that's fine. I get no, it. No, it's they just, like it's just like a part. It's just a part of world building. Like, there's some kind of bias against the droids. Right. This guy hates droids, and it adds like that little level of character and, and kind of like that Wild West saloon kind of feel. You know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> And uh, although on one note I wrote like like uh, Luke seemed to get over a couple of guys getting cut in half pretty quickly. <laughs> yeah, he uh, he takes things in stride very well. Right, it's like you know his aunt and uncle get burned to skeletons. You know, a couple yeah. of guys get cut in half by his quote unquote mentor. <laughs> you know, it's like well, uh, well they but, don't get cut in half. He chops the guy's arm off. No, it's pretty clear. I think like they they don't say it, but like he did cut the guy in half. I think and just you just Uh-oh. see the arm. I thought he just yeah. I thought he just cut his arm off, but yeah, no, one of the guys I think he cut in half. But they can't show that, right? So, um, yeah, I mean, the the whole um, Han Solo Greedo scene, like we used oh, to just okay. we used to okay. reenact it as kids all the time. Just like, Let's although, just get it out there. Let's just get it out there. Who shot first? I don't give a fuck. It's just don't Han don't solo f- shot first. Don't don't fuck with things. I just don't know why he even did that. I mean, this but honestly, this is what's driving me crazy when I rewatched it's it. It's an important part of characterization for Han that he shot first because it shows that he's a low down guy. You right. know what I mean? Exactly. Like the whole point is that he has a heart of gold deep down, but at first you are supposed to think he's a scumbag. Not only that, but. If Greedo shoots first, he is the worst shot in the, in literally. the universe. Like literally, he's right he's two, across the table. He's six inches away from him with a gun pointed at his head, and he misses. So, right. Yeah. Um, you know, Peter Cushing, who is like basically a B movie horror movie actor, was fantastic as as uh, Tarkin. Um, oh, yeah, he's fun. But uh, yeah, I mean. The final battle, I was just like, um, you know, they they did beef it up with CG. That was fine. That's yeah, okay. yeah, they did. 
That's okay. But most of it is the original footage. And in a lot of ways, actually, like when you when you watch the final battle and you realize that in the midst of all this high tech stuff, it's actually that's when it finally hits me. And again, it's I kind a of World War Two bombing run. No, no. Beyond that, the, the movie is essentially in a lot of it, a lot of stuff about the force in general is it's it's anti-technology, right? It's placing feelings and yeah. gut over technology, right? Luke, you turned off your targeting computer. It's like, I got this, right? Mm-hmm. Sometimes you have to, and I, it seems funny saying this today in the 21st century, but sometimes you have Hashtag to turn things look off. Up. Right. Hashtag look up. We're all so busy staring at our phones. Oh, that's a hashtag. Through our phones. No, I'm just, I'm just making oh. jokes. <laughs> right. I don't know. You know, I'm old. I'll believe anything. So that's the hashtag. Look up is a bit that I stole from from Jack, actually. But no. Um, but um, yeah. So I, I think there's like uh, there's a humanistic kind of anti technology thing here, which you know is kind of underpinning all this stuff. It's about these movies are about human connection and love and you know, um, and, well, and not only and not and the only over that. and and basically the the ability of 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 humans to well not humans I shouldn't be speciesist but basically overcoming you know perceived limitations and rising up to the moment using hmm. you know just your your own faculties your own instincts and sometimes just relying on what you know is right. So I was going to say, um, it's, it's also kind of speaking into that theme is the fact that like the empire has this like giant super weapon yeah, and the rebels have who, who clearly have the inferior technology, right. Uh, defeat them through their, their tactics and their, and their, and their, their uh, good old fashioned smarts manpower. Yeah. And also the, their poorly placed exhaust ports. Which we now know was which have been retconned to be intentional. <laughs> Extraordinarily well, but I don't want to fight movie, over that by with a now. Bad movie, by by a, a fantastic bad movie. movie, and I have backup on that. Um, cringe. Don't so yeah, I just love that whole battle, you know, um, and the whole World War Two dogfight vibe, and you know, just. Yeah. It's a little cheesy when Han comes in at the end, but you just love it anyway. You know? No, it's great. It's great. It's just Shut great. Up. Well, I mean, when you're a kid in the theater, like the first time you see it, you're like, because especially you don't see it coming. Like you don't, like you said, he shoots first, so he's the guy that just wants to. And take Han his money Solo and run. is he's the scumbag. That's right. him not being a scumbag. That's an important character development moment. Right. For Han Solo. Right. I mean, um, yeah. I guess that's that's definitely a good way to put it. I think the one thing that when I watched it and I, you know, on Disney Plus they have like cutscenes and stuff. I do feel like they the should big... restore the original cut on Disney Plus. Well, original cut is one thing, but I think that um, uh, they added just enough in the movie. Originally, they only show Biggs get blown up as a big solemn moment, and you don't even know why. First time I watched it, I didn't know why Luke cared so much about. Why was this, there was this big dramatic moment about Biggs? I think basically, just before they take off in the original cut, you know, they they say hi for ten seconds. He goes, "Hey, Luke." He goes, "Hey, Biggs. Oh, it's great yeah. to see you." And then he dies later. And you know, but in in the cut scenes, there was a whole scene where he meets up with Biggs um, at Tashi Station or whatever it is. 
and he meets up with him and his friends, and they talk about him jumping ship to join the rebellion. I, I, I don't know. I, I don't think that that would add enough to the movie to put it in because the problem, like the thing about this movie, is that like as we said, as of now, like the way it is cut, there's literally no dead air. Like it's just so tight how how it's it's put together. Well, I would say they did add a little bit back in on the in the hangar scene before they they head oh off to battle. Oh my god! Where he meets up with Biggs and then the Jabba, commander. you're a wonder. Oh, I thought you were talking. No, about no, the no, 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 no. I meant on they... Yavin. And the Ugh. Yavin Moon and and the commander comes up and you know it's just like an unnecessary thirty seconds really that's kind of you know they should have just left it out. Yeah. Um, but you know, um, I think that um, it still being. has the best description of the Force in all the movies. Um, yeah. And um, I'm getting the. I'm getting the signal from mom that she's not happy how late it's getting. All right. We'll be so, back in a minute. Yeah. This is great radio, by the way. Mom says we have to stop. Mom <laughs> said I have to go to bed. Um, but, oh, God, that threw me off. Thanks, Mom. Um, but anyway, so just overall, I mean, it is nearly perfect. The worst part, though, the bad part is, like, when they re-released it. Oh my god, um, they ruined their own perfect movie. Yeah. Like, what the fuck, dude? Yeah. Why? Well, so even without that, there's a couple things that when you rewatch it, it's kind of like, eh, probably could have been played a little better, which is one, like you said earlier, you blow up an entire planet that that she lived on and with her foster parents. You, you expect a little more from that. <laughs> yeah. Um. There's some underreacting in this There's movie. a little underreacting. Uh, I get um, it. It's a small price to pay for near perfection. Though. Yeah, <laughs> these are minor things, but the, the worst part is that he fucked with it, right? Yeah. The CG is so distracting. They have it's these like scenes. farting animals walking through the scenes that like just literally cover up the entire screen. It, it's all it's laughable. There's just one scene where they're in Moss Eisley and you're watching them pull up the speeder and then this giant thing just walks in front of the screen and I thought it was a joke. It is, it is hilarious. And it's how just bad it looks. fucking awful. And it's just like it's completely unnecessary. It looks out of place. It's a preview basically because they re-released it that way to kind of demo the technology as a run-up to the prequels, right? And now you can't legally find it. And you can't find it. In the original version. Yeah. Um, the only good thing about any of those added scenes was in the hangar scene with Jabba was you get a glimpse of Boba Fett. That's it. Yep. That's the only good Pretty part. Pretty much that's it. That's it. So, yeah, I mean, it's basically talking about this one is just like it's a love story, right? There's Everything about it is great. It launched everything. Um it's near perfect. I have no, yeah, yeah, nothing to say there. But right, I think so in the end, I gotta of the other two. I am gonna narrowly yield and say that, um, you know, Force Awakens comes out mildly ahead of the other one. You know what? You know what? You know what you can say about Force Awakens? What's that? At least it's not racist. At least it's not racist caricatures. Yikes! And that's I rest my case. I, oh my god! I rest my case. Yeah, well, that might be have to be, uh, you know. Yeah, I don't know what else to add to that. Um, so are we saying this is going to be a podcast movies? first, folks? I'm actually going to move my computer while we talk. 
Okay. I'm. This is live. This is going to be great radio. I was. I walk with my computer out of the bedroom and downstairs because uh, mom's got to go to bed. But um, this is high quality. This yeah. is great. And honestly, I think it's part content. of the charm of Fight with Mike. We're a family show. This is what peak performance. Looks like. <laughs> this is what's going to pull us. This is going to what really bring in the numbers. I think you know. It's like yeah. Like uh, is Mike getting kicked out by his wife again? Yep. Because he's his own man. Because she keeps telling right. me, you're your own man. Um, so now that I've extricated myself from that situation, I could talk for another hour. <laughs> yeah, but we should so, probably wrap it up. We should wrap it up because I've been told that we're also a little long at times and long-winded. I've been told this show is pretty long. I've been told um, it's long. But I'm having In response fun. to that, we make our longest episode <laughs> But um, yeah, now all of a sudden we're Dan Carlin, right? Hardcore history is to be like you know again. Well, that we have again. to do. That we'd have to do a six-part, multi-five-hour episodes. Well, that's series. kind of what we're doing, right? <laughs> no, no, okay. There's a big, there's a big difference between two hours of audio and five hours of audio. There is like one the every one of the all of these episodes we're about to do. If you pile them all together into one, they would add up to like one hardcore history episode. And by the way, yeah. I love Great hardcore podcast. history. Great show, I'm, but I am not. Man. Um, but it, it is actually. I will say about hardcore history. It's actually deterring to sit down and listen to it because They're I don't long. have a block of five hours. Yeah, especially without. Well, a you listen anymore. to it. You listen to each episode in installments. You know. I do actually. But what at I that do point, is... like at that point, why didn't you just separate it out into smaller episodes? But I, I kind of wish you would. But you know, I, I do think that. Um, but I do kind of love it. It's it's its own unique beast, and I highly recommend it to everyone who cares about history and likes history. And if you if you don't, you should. Um, yeah. And yeah, I'll leave it at that. But yeah, so I would say I don't think anybody's surprised by the ordering of New Hope first, and then you know, yeah, I mean, there's just. Yeah, Phantom Menace. Force Awakens, then Phantom Menace. But Force Sorry, Awakens. Man, it's just yeah. tragic. Phantom Menace is so bad. <laughs> it's inexcusable. It's inexcusable how bad that movie is. I just wish that, I just wish that, you know, before, I mean, I had such high hopes for Force Awakens that, and J.J. Abrams, I thought finally we're going to get the best of both worlds. And, you know, the, the Star Trek movie kind of gave me an inkling that you know it he's not good at follow through and finishing things and he's not good at at consistent coherent storytelling <laughs> but he is great at characters and so I, I guess that's a great place to leave it man i uh yeah. i had fun looking into it and it's a good thing we do these at two week intervals because i needed the whole two weeks and we're recording this the night before we yeah. expect to release so Right after we stop this, I'm going to be uploading my thing for you to not my and thing. I'm going to be editing, and you're going to be editing, and we're going to be pushing it out there for fine folks to enjoy everywhere. Indeed. So, all right, man. Well, all right, Andy. It's been another fun spirited talk, and Can't thanks for your time, for buddy. Round two of uh, or round three B, I guess. Mm, I don't know. I'll be round four. All right. I'm only I'm sequential, buddy. I'm simple. I'm, I'm simple, I'm, man. I'm, I'm also strictly sequential. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nerd. Yeah. <laughs> All right, All right. man. Uh, as always, Andy, 
spirited debate, but I love you, bud. Love you too, Dad. All right. See you guys next time. And we're out.